the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC 296 Breakdown, picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Here, host of the Protect Your Neck podcast. Uh, you might see my work from MMA Junkie or Action Network, but on this year's program, the Protect Your Neck podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today tonight. Whenever you're listening to this, hopefully it's before the fight, so I'm recording this as per usual Thursday night, slightly later. Please spare me the comments. I already felt bad for pushing it back 15 to 30 minutes uh, than it needed to be, and of course it's in my fucking ear. Barely recognize my intro. I can barely keep up, and I've already lost my sentence. I'm off to a great fucking start, folks. Um, actually, like I said in my tweet, I'm actually really excited. Despite everything this year, this last week, this last series, this 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 everything, I'm actually trying to be positive. And uh, and 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 uh, you guys, so you just got to forgive me. I have been sleeping in one to one and a half hour intervals for the last 36 hours, and although I didn't get a hard workout in today. I did work out hard for the last three days straight to try to recoup from uh, getting my ass kicked from being sick because I finally started getting some workout momentum. Like, I think I worked out like seven uh, hard practices out of nine days. I haven't done that since like training camp for um, last year's amateur fight. Really proud of myself. And then, of course, you know, got to be sick. And then, uh, even though I don't want to be the late guy, uh, if it's not my stomach, of course, it's my dog's stomach. The dog's fine. Thank you guys for. Uh, asking uh, boxer stomachs for those who have boxers they just have the sensitive stomachs in the world and it's just you know at the most kind of inopportune times so pardon me I didn't have uh, certain things uh, dotted in T you're gonna have to deal with me ruffling through papers because I didn't want to keep you guys waiting any longer I don't deserve the likes I don't deserve the monetization will strong start Dan why don't you just shoot yourself down and show your ass but we're gonna get to the UFC 296 breakdown after a quick recap as per usual for UFC Vegas 83. So apologies for being late. Please, I love you guys. I know it's well-meaning, but please spare me the comments of, uh, you know, if, if you can only stay for a little bit because it's later, that's fine. But I always hate those because I'm like, I only started at like 15 minutes later, and my show, it, my long-winded ass goes at least like an hour and a half to two hours. So it's like, if I start 15 minutes later, like, how much does that really throw you off if you're here to hang out? So I'm just being a nitpicky asshole, and I'm picking on a little audience that I have. But yeah, apologies for being late in the later start. Those of you listening in ahead of time, you don't have to worry about it. In fact, you guys usually get like a cool edited version. As uh, much as I love you, you YouTube people, I hope you guys appreciate the edited versions as well. I put music in there. If it's a top five show, I edit like audio trackings to go along as much as I can, as much time as I have at least. So hopefully you guys appreciate that. Uh, and we're going to get to the usual format, which is the usual format. Newer listeners, I'm not going to try to berate you like I just berated my... Oh geez, but yes, it is normal. We recap the week before, 
and then we're going to get into it's a really fun card despite the cancellations um I know I'm fucking like I looked up I'm like am I really wearing a fucking suit jacket I'm trying to look like nicer this week too you know it's like a big week it's a pay-per-view week which increases the whole the FOMO and the whole stuff that I love and hate and and uh, between you know being a dead ass broke uh, not broke but like you know the, the money I did have uh, reinvested it back into the show uh, one of the things on my list though is to get suits but between not you know uh, you know uh, cashing in the fun money funds to uh, having to wait probably till next month anyways I have to wait till to, to, to buy any any actual suits like uh, till January um, but yeah uh, trying to do some stuff maybe go karate combat tomorrow we'll see if I can actually get some sleep tonight. Um, shouts to people who are out and about. Apologies if I'm not responding. Just a lot of, uh, a lot of work and whatnot. No, no awards show, but that doesn't mean I can't be dressed up nice, right? MMA awards are obviously going on now. Shouts to the uh, deserving people who are nominees, but you guys know my feelings on the fighters only thing. So, even thank you more for joining me here. And uh, yeah, sorry. It's uh, so you would have thought I just got from from the road. You need your decompressed time sometimes, you know, just to kind of decompress. And and I didn't really have that. That's why I love uh, doing shows. I miss doing shows with my guy Aaron. Shout out to Aaron Bronstetter. I got to see him today, actually. Uh, we hit, we hit up uh, one of our favorite Jewish delis in town. And uh, I always miss doing shows with him because he always could tell when, like, he, he, like, he's like a hostage negotiator. Like, he, he would start the show late even just to kind of, like, you know, the decompression time, especially old Dan Tom needs it. So apologies. We're good. We're good. We're focused. I'll get to your guys' comments. I appreciate you. <clears throat> um, you can hit like, hit whatever you want. I guess I don't give a shit. Um, yeah, no, it was it was a it was a crazy card. UFC 83 recap. Uh, I do have the results page pulled up. Uh, I just want to hit you guys up in the chat. Uh, tragedy before fortune, my man. Fenyo, what's up, Fenyo? Um. Oh, I'm clicking on the wrong thing, of course. It's uh This whole backdrop behind me is really messing me up. Sorry folks, I didn't have my normal setup here. There we go. Tragedy before fortune, man. I know I'm actually feeling good, man. Like uh obviously the uh usually I'll let it kinda come up organically, but it's the last, you know, uh, show of the year, so we're gonna go big. I'm going big. Um and it's not even so much just to go big, although it's fun too. It's at the end of the year, not hard to justify doing so. Uh, but the analysis actually lines up for what that's worth, and I know it's let me down. But you know what? If I'm doing good analysis, like all you say I am, I guess, or whatever, you know, if I'm if it's that whole from the betting perspective, long term winners and all that, you know, shit shit talk. You know, long term though, you play these numbers, bro. Oh, but long term, your process, bro. Um, you know, maybe between all that, uh, uh, you know, sorry, I don't know where I'm going here, but, but basically, um, yeah, I, you know, I'm going to lose anyways this year. Might as well, uh, keep doing what I'm doing. I, I'm just really excited to talk about, I don't want to say too much more. It's going to tip my hand, but, uh, we're riding or dying with the ride or dies, you know? So it's, it's, I'm really excited. I'm really excited. And you guys should be too. Um, let's see who else is uh, up in here. Chronic Combat Conversations. Love these guys. No better time than Dan Tom Time. I don't know about that, guys. You guys keep saying that. I'm at my like worst right now. Are you guys even... Uh, uh, <laughs> are you blind? I'm just kidding. I love you guys. But yeah, no. I 
I just can't take compliments. What that is, Makato Kayagoku. I hope your dog is okay. Yeah, dog is fine. Thank you guys for that. Um, this is the last PYN of the year. Wouldn't miss it for the world, Dan. Yeah, I don't know if it'll be the last. I'll probably do a recap show. I won't be doing like a recap, like end of the year show, because I'm just not organized. Uh, uh, you know, I want to blame like I'm not cool enough or whatever. You know, Rudolph's not invited to any reindeer games or whatever. But to be honest, let's be honest, guys. Despite my best efforts, clearly, I, I just can't even get organized enough to really show up to the regular shows, much less get uh, awards. And I even have, like, a great, you know, podcast name. If there's one good thing about this podcast, it's the name, and I could use awards like, uh, you know, I could go to Neckies, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not a bad one, right? But, uh, and I, you guys actually, I think Ghost and Jimmy Kudo and some other people, uh, uh, maybe Rain Lamina, uh, have uh, really, like, low-key suggested some really cool topics throughout the year. So if you guys remember that, feel free to plug those in the chat. Um, go speaking speaking of man. Hey Dan, uh, take a take a break from me doing a snarky reply. Uh, taking a break from doing snarky replies on Twitter, and just wanted to say that yourself and Jack Slack uh, are inspirations for film study for dudes like myself. So thank you for the I appreciate that, man. Um, you know, it, it it I gotta acknowledge the positive and. Uh, for as much as you know, you may not feel like you get the credit you're due for. There's people like the ghost. That I feel like give me too much credit, but I, I appreciate it and uh, make sure to follow. Uh, it's nine h six st twenty one. Should be on his Twitter handle as well. Excellent, excellent threads. I've been sharing those out as much as I can, and including those. James Kendrick, Daniel, are awesome. Not too kind. Chris London made it for this week's pity party. Yeah, I know. Yeah, apologies. Joe uh, Ho-Ho's finally caught your live for once. Apologies for the shitty intro, but I appreciate you being here. Uh, Rhea says in Truesdale, amazing year, Dan. You, Chris Personnel, Drake, and Alex Bikunin are the only live chats that I am a part of. So wishing you great in the show. I appreciate you guys for being here. I don't deserve it, but uh, you guys are awesome. Dan, the chat has been great. Let's keep it up. It's been great thanks to people like you, Jimmy, and Ghost. Um, I do uh, got to get in touch with you guys again for some end-of-the-year uh, appreciations that I want to pass forward. Uh, looking slick, Dan. Pascal, oh, too kind, sir. Um, I got to push back real quick from that one because I'm weird with compliments. Rain Lamina, no clever pun today. Love Aaron Brownsetter and end-of-the-year show. Uh, it's been quite a ride. Aaron Brownsetter has a good end-of-the-year show, but I, I don't know what's going on with his or I don't want to speak for him, but a TSN show, SN MMA show, I really miss that right now. And he usually does an excellent end-of-the-year uh, panel Um I hope he does some form this year, Aaron. Hopefully you do that. Do that. Um, but yeah, uh, okay. Okay, I'm here now. Much love, Dan. Fanya, you are the man. Yeah, another person that's too kind. All right, I want to get get, get through, through this uh, bullshit. Uh, results, uh, we did bad. I think we went down. Um, sorry, you guys got to deal with page ruffles. Uh, minus three units. Um, we went like 0 for on the uh, round robins, you know. Um, no, no, we, got, we went 1 for 4. We'll see how close we get, uh, how close we got when I recap it, because I can't pull it up my mind right now. Um, straight plays, we went one for one. We'll talk about that. Uh, both were dog shots. Um, and then, yeah, I missed a bunch of other shit, so let's just go through it. Um, Song Dong defeated Chris Gutierrez. Uh, I can't really complain about this one, because I was barely watching it. Uh, that's good news when you like you're you're you know you're you're, you're uh, sorry for the the pity party comment person, but like when your soul gets uh, beaten by the end of these cards, you're just like, I'm like a Wolverine, you know, and he, like you know when they're calling him for the cage fight, he's just so disinterested, like he can't even turn around to look at his opponent. He's just like yeah, whatever. Like that's me. I'm like not even facing the TV screen at that point of the night. Uh, oh, you know, I'm doing something else or something. But yeah, um, 
There's that. Khalil Roundtree defeated Anthony Smith via third-round TKO. Yeah, if anybody was going to get the round three, you thought it was going to be Smith, despite the short notice maybe. But, uh, no, uh, Roundtree, uh, those counters and, you know, maintaining his uh, pressure, the check-right hook that uh, I, I did talk about. Um, with all, I was rooting for Smith at that point because I just couldn't help with the numbers there. Uh, the under miss, of course, despite it almost cashing a whole bunch like uh, Smith, doing, to my memory, at least doing somewhat stanky legs. I forget. But that one was, uh, you know, other people commiserated on that one as well. Appreciate you all, but, you know, losing bets, losing bets. So that's what it is. Act Press via Jamie Malarkey via first round TKO. Yeah, that, I mean, that was always a possibility, unfortunately. You just hate to see it uh, happen. And again, like, you pick against the guy when he, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm not as excited as, like, uh, you know, Taporia or uh, Sarukian, right? But uh, I was excited about Hack Press when he first came around, too. So, of course, he finally starts again having his coming out party when uh, I'm on the other side. Uh, very classic there. But uh, I didn't say it on the, this podcast, but I did say it and post it and play it uh, all ahead of time for what that's worth. But uh, so it wasn't, it's not exactly a hindsight thing. Uh, I just wish I said it on the podcast and spotted it, but that under two and a half for plus one seventy really seemed like kind of the play of the uh, play of the card. Really, in hindsight, like you just looked at that, that was just, there was just too much value for that coverage, and uh, thankfully that you know didn't save me from anything really, but uh, you know kind of stopped the bleeding there. Tim Elliott got a sub, which was great, uh, but again, um, it didn't you know the, the sub alone cash, which was good. But uh, there was nothing. I couldn't get any of the other subs to go through. Uh, Muniz, man, he doesn't. I, I feel like people have studied his moves, and he just, you know, if it's not one of his like special moves that he likes, he he won't go for other stuff, you know. And he just not very criteria friendly, despite getting away with one. And even though I picked Muniz and played Muniz, uh, for what it's worth, I kept the same energy because, again, going by the letter of the law, you could really make a strong, a very strong argument that Jung Young Park uh, should have had rounds one and three there. Um, shout out to Laura Sanko for talking about something that seldom gets talked about, aside from people like myself. When speaking to the letter of the law criteria, when speaking to someone's fighting spirit, no, not their Modelo fighting spirit. Uh, and that was applicable, at least in round two. The problem was round two, no one was questioning who won round two, right? That was a Muniz round. Um, so, yeah, like, it just, uh, it found every way, you know, cause I had different, like, I had, like, uh, Iron Turtle round two, round three subs, Muniz sub. Um, and I think I also had, um, did I have an under? No, not on this one. But yeah, I just uh, snuck through, and then I was, at least I was able to cash Muniz, I guess, but uh, I didn't feel great about it for what it's worth. Uh, Kevin Jusset defeated uh, Song Kernan. Um, didn't watch that one too much. Hung Sung, uh, Hyung Sung Park uh, did accordingly to Shannon Ross. Steve Mean Machine Garcia, brutal finish on uh, Melchizo Costa there. Uh, Steve Garcia, is it just me? I don't know if it, it he, he looks like, I don't know if it's Hey Arnold I'm thinking of, but he looks like one of the bully kids out of like that Nickelodeon, that Hey Arnold Nickelodeon era. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Like, look at it. Even like, no matter what the weight is, even if you go all the way back to when Steve Garcia was somehow cutting to 135, or if it's Steve Garcia 145, or Steve Garcia impromptu 155, it doesn't matter how good a shape he's in. His, and I'm speaking of this not, you know, to be a dick because as a guy with a big head as well, and I'm not a pro fighter. 
you know so there's uh, there's that i'm not trying to be a dick here but he just he has like that hey arnold like not hey arnold like the football head but a character on one of those shows i can't think of it maybe it's not hey arnold but yeah he like steve garcia he just looks like you know one of those bully kids i don't know like uh maybe maybe it's like a not sid from pixar because that's ryan benoit right <laughs> from toy story but you know you know maybe it's something like that too i don't know Great analysis, Dan. Luan Santos uh, defeated Stephanie Egger via unanimous decision. Um, yeah, I don't know what to say about that. I didn't really watch that. Sue Attire defeated Carlos Hernandez. I mean, dude gets a TKO. Dude, who saw that coming? Uh, you know, as far as in that way, I guess. Uh, Talita Alencar defeated Ryan uh, Amanda. Uh, split decision. I don't really have an opinion on that one. Sorry, folks. So that is the recap for that. 15... 46. All right. Sorry again for the shitty start, guys. I'm, it's, it's embarrassing. I hate... I, 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 believe it or not, I actually don't like showing my ass and delivering a subpar product on top of subpar picks and plays on top of that. Like, believe it or not, that's actually not what I wake up with my intention to do. Um, so, again, apologies and understand that um, I literally just go nonstop six seven days a week no days off and not doing well means not being able to take time off and means i have to work harder and just the slew of shit just the sacrifices you guys wouldn't believe sacrificing friends family members significant others multiple times fucking over in the last over half decade i've been doing this so i might suck you might not like it which i don't know why you're here in that case or listening if you're listening in the future but just understand that i've I've sacrificed a ton in that regard on top of the other sacrifices of, you know, getting hit in the head and all the other shit that the fighters we watch have gone through, except I don't have the accolades. Uh, as I'm reminded of on Fighters Only Awards times and when it comes times to pick uh, commentators for fights, yeah, I don't have uh, those uh, pro accolades by my name, so who the fuck am I? So apologies, apologies. All right, let's go. Uh, UFC... To 96. Um, let's just jump right into it. Fuck it. All right. Uh, yeah, it's uh, Covington Edwards off the top. Fucking best fight odds is like it, they're just finding ways to get shittier every time. There's like 10 events between the way they split it up. Like, are there even fucking 10 events or eight events or whatever like this weekend? Jesus Christ, that are like line worthy. What the fuck is going on? Gordon Ali Abdelaziz, we're, we're, we're in a drought. Um, I know it's not the same thing he's talking about. Neither here nor there. All right, I'm just going to go pull it up. Uh, <clears throat> motherfuckers, you guys aren't even, like, fucking... <laughs> uh, these motherfuckers. No one's in order. No one's in order. Goddamn. Goddamn. Is it that hard? Is it that hard, you lazy fucking bastards? Wow, Dan. Potty mouth on Dan Tom today. Um... Wouldn't matter if I was prepared for this one with the way, like, every odds thing just fucking scrambles it at the board. Fucking cunts. Sorry. C word. Um, yeah, Leon Edwards, minus 155. Uh, Colby Covington, uh, plus 130. Um, I thought we was going to start moving away from that line because minus 155. Sorry, minus 155 for Leon Edwards. Colby Covington, plus 130. Because uh, minus 155 was the number that I got Edwards at. Um, spoiler alert, I know, lack of foreplay there. 
Um, listen, I, I've been a uh, someone who seldom picks against Covington uh, over his career. Um, I've defended the skills that he brings to the table when you know because that's what I have to do to you know cut through the noise, right? So this isn't a uh, you just you know media doesn't like Covington or whatever. Like I you know I actually went on military trips with this dude, folks. Like it's. Uh, <clears throat> like before, before the he started the uh, the the whole. Uh, I don't even want to use the word shtick at this point, but you know what I mean. Yeah, um, I know he's like dressing up like seventeen seventy six. I don't know. I don't know where his head's at. Um, you know, he's already like feathering the nest to try to see like if he can if he wins this somehow. He's like, oh, I'm gonna fight Usman. Everyone's gotta wait their turn, just you know, turning people down and running that narrative and more worried about like kind of a stand-up routine like how much you know I know he, he works hard and stuff but it's like if you're a Covington supporter that, that you know just like dude how much are we focusing on the fight here and more importantly let's get down to brass tacks Covington is 5-0 and against Southpaws uh, UFC level Southpaws Edwards is 4-1 and that loss of course comes in as a UFC debut in Brazil split decision loss to Claudio Claudio Silva new level uh, it's a very close fight, you know, especially, you know, under more today's criteria gaze. I say that, and then we have, like, the Junk Iron Turtle decisions, but you guys know what I mean. Um, Edwards Covington's obviously the crux to a lot of those were grappling. So even though he's a more impressive record and probably more dominant, right, like it was kind of Winswasson repeat against Barbarina, whereas Barbarina actually caught Edwards, right, with a left hand, because, again, southpaw lefts are hard for other Southpaws to see, say it all the time. So when it catches him, it seems to really catch him, kind of by surprise. Um, when you looked at it overall, whether it was Covington Southpaw matchups or Orthodox matchups, it really didn't matter the stance. Uh, left hands were his common culprit, and that's something that I've noted in my analysis prior. In case you don't want to wait, like I always say, especially the fighters that actually have decent amount of profiles. You don't want to wait for my take, but there could be like useful information like, oh, I totally forgot or didn't know that Rose Namajunas is undefeated in fights where she's able to score back control. Fun fact, right? Certain things like that or, um, you know, I, I forget little notes myself. I had to go read my notes before I go into the Rob Font and Figueredo footage and I'm like, oh crap. Uh, it says in my notes here that Rob Font traditionally struggled with guys who counter or work the body. That's the common culprit between all his losses and hard fights. And of course, you know, you can't bank on that. Even if it's my your own work, like it's my own work I'm reading, I'll still go back and watch things. But it's really helpful to kind of gain some notes there. So you don't always have to wait for my stuff that comes out more toward the end of the week. Um, which is a real give and take, you know. I feel like um, I'm really killing myself, aside from showing my ass and you know being shitty, I'm really killing myself on views by being later in the week, but at the same time, I feel like I'm almost justified with all the cancellations. It's like, do you want a fresh breakdown? And for me, it's like, as far, you know, uh, as, far as my side of it, not that you know, anybody cares, but, you know, um, I already have enough work. Do I really need to be breaking down two matchups, the original and the replacement, and sweating it? And, you know, it's just... I think it's just that whole FOMO, CLV kind of thing. Um, I'll pick up a previous note because my brain works all fucked up. But uh, to finish the thought earlier, it's going to be Die Hard. It's going to be the GIF uh, threads. And I got a good feeling. I got a good feeling. Again, I know I started negative. Uh, I've been negative. But I, I believe, can believe it or not, I actually go into these things. Pause. That's the annoying part is like 
I, I do feel positive despite all the negative things. And people just kind of see this, right? That's why I say I hate these anger management movies or like meet the parents movies because everyone's like, oh, it's funny. I'm like, no, it's not. This is my life. It's, you know, I'm the person who's just running into like circumstantial shit and then you run into a person and they, they, they run into you at 10, but they didn't see steps one through nine. So not only can they slash you not understand what you see, but not only would you understand it if you knew, if you experienced it, you'd even be crazier than fucking me or whoever the fucking character is you're watching, okay? But of course, you don't know that, right? And how could you? So I just got to take it on the chin. Look like an asshole out here. Uh, get to the break. Get back to the breakdown, Dan. But yeah, um, left hands is this common culprit uh, for the Covington notes and uh, as well as body work, right? And the bodywork becomes a prevalent note in his series with Usman. They both kind of show that weakness on each other. You got two guys with uh, good chins, good gas tanks, both Usman and Covington, right? Good wrestling, improving striking. Where's the weakness, right? It's the body, we learned in that series. And as I said in the Edwards-Usman um, breakdown, the last one, which, by the way, I didn't post this, but like, you know, there's certain breakdowns that I'm really proud of. You don't want to go all the way back to like Holmes Shevchenko or to like last year's breakdown probably would be Gaethje uh, Oliveira, right? Making the notes that, yeah, he can knock him down, but he can't follow him down. And that's the crux there, right? And everybody picked up that note and ran with it after if they didn't already know, have or embrace that note prior. Um, if you go look back my last Pantoja Moreno breakdown or my last Usman Edwards breakdown, Fuck, if I can, as for someone who beats the shit out of himself for the majority of these program, if I can pat myself on the back for like just one second. Boy, do those age fucking well, right? And shouts to Ghost, who did a, a excellent clenching uh, thread. And those of you shouting me as well as Ghost, as far as the hand fighting stuff, because I went back to read my breakdown of my notes, and I'm like, yeah, I did, because I almost forgot. Like, you guys reminded me, right? Like, if I, if to come clean. Uh, not that I don't come clean with you guys, but, you know, I, I, I forgot. And when I went back to read, I'm like, oh, yeah, I did mention that. Like, it was just the over-unders, the hand fighting. And I mentioned that prior, so hearing commentary pick that up, you know, Cormier smartly going, look, it's a two-on-one grip. He's using it to get out of everything here. They drilled it just for Usman. Um, it validated my analysis for not just picking Edwards, but picking him to win by decision. Both those guys, by the way, who, you know, gas, have shown to gas prior. If they were going to, underdogs, if they were going to win, it sure as shit wasn't going to be by decision. And not only did I pick it, which any asshole can do the betting thing where you just pick the contrarian thing. No, I actually got to show my work and did. And they both did it. To the letter. And the two-on-one note, hold that, because that also goes to an, another, another note that I said that, um, you know, it wasn't a genius to be like, oh, he set up the head kick by going to the body and legs. Like, everybody knows that, right? But the body in particular, I noted, was a note that was not just for the head kick, but I said it also could be a sign that shows that both Leon and or his team know how to game plan and take take information, take tactics and past information and apply it uh, into the current, right? And he did with all that body work was just amplified even more diverse in the rubber match right and also reincorporate that previous note that we just page noted of the two on one grips and it was clear that he game plan specifically for Usman and as far as the body work part of that goes well 
Where did he get that information? Well, I just said it. It was the Covington series, right? So if Edwards was able to pick up that information and apply it from the Usman side, I got to imagine he saw the Covington side of it too, Covington getting hurt to the body, right? And whether it was in that fight or southpaws, again, orthodox and southpaw alike, not just left hands the common culprits, but left body kicks. Both seem to land at a high clip and get Covington's respect. And that's something that Edwards has always been good at and has only gotten better at diversifying his with front teep, front kicks to the body as well as the Thai-style uh, middle kicks to the body, right? Um, so there's that. Uh, and now we go to the... And we don't have much of a... You know, everyone picks on Colby's resume, and I'm, I get it, I'm not defending that, his resume, and I'm not def uh, coming at people doing that. But you just got to work with what you have, right? And what we have is May of 2022 for his last sample size. And it was a five-round one, but it was against Masvidal. Not just post-prime Masvidal, but like, you know, I don't like to use this word, but it was an arguably washed Masvidal. An arguably post-prime washed Masvidal who was gassed, um, at least from, you know, you know, 50 to 60% of that fight. So at least from the midway point, if not a little before, clearly gassing, right? Which is probably generous, probably clearly before the midway point. But if you look, George Masvidal, Jorge Masvidal, he gets out of uh, every negative position, some better than others, right? But how does he do it, pretty much? He uses, you know, turtle cage, yeah, but there's a lot of grip fighting, right? There's two-on-one grips, there's cross grips. It's all grip fighting. That's what he uses. And back to the Edwards thing. It's something that he already, he already has been good at in multiple fights, has shown that he can apply it specifically and tactically and effectively to the highest level, wrestlers, welterweights, etc. Um, how much is Colby Covington going to get done? And even if he does secure decent control time, again, if I know we're back in Vegas and Vegas slash high-level judges, Dan, well, those are the ones that, you know, can't have, are the ones that have been waffling on their 10 eights and even on certain criteria languages with the park turtle dynamic, right? I know, I get it. You can never count on it. I'm not saying to, but yes, by the letter of the law, for what it's worth, not the most criteria friendly style Covingtons, right? Um, especially against a guy who's going to be hard to hold down, like Edwards, which means you're going to be more a little more reluctant to strike because you might lose position. Uh, also, and you guys know I talk about a uh, shout out to aliens, Bill Pax, the Paxton, the Pax. Game over, man. Game over. Uh, Covington, as much as I, I love that grinding style of game, I love uh, positional rides and all that stuff. He's not a game over grappler. It's not like the Damian Maya gets you down. So, again, even if he does get him down, what does he do there? And outside of left hands and body work, uh, another disturbing striking look that happened and again the most relevant sample size from Covington was in the fourth round where Masvidal drops him I didn't remember this at the time I had to go back again look at the tape but I didn't realize uh, Masvidal actually drops him with a check right hook a southpaw check right hook and again that is one of Edwards' shots in fact he actually throws the right hook more against fellow southpaws dating all the way back and this is something that's pretty consistent all the way back to his Claudio Silva near level uh, fight like he's he's tagging him up with the right hook pretty pretty damn good, um, and yeah he th th that's a shot he he goes for more in the uh, same stance matchups, um, 
And then you've got, you know, uh, you know, cage positioning, Colby, you know, he will switch more orthodox, so will, so, so will Leon, but Colby will fight more back foot, which I don't know is the greatest. And if he does sell out to pressure, which I think is his best option where he fights best, right? Lest we not forget, it's not like his his gas tank is completely bulletproof either, and, you know, aside from being able to be hurt to the body and stuff like that in later rounds of the Usman fight. Um, you look at... Uh, you look at the RDA fight, I always point out, which is a lot closer than people realize, you know, especially if we're grading criteria, the letter of the law today, go back and watch that fight, right? Um, but more specifically, uh, RDA in round four um, was able to get takedowns on Covington and uh, and turn the tide. And that was like his half his ears falling off. He's been f facing a bigger guy. RDA is kind of, you know, not that RDA gasses, but, you know, he's, he's exhausted himself, right? Um, so let's not pretend that, like, you know, uh, uh, you know, Covington, especially if he's, I mean, he was actually having some success as far as, like, getting the positions he wanted to get to, whether or not he was doing a lot or enough with them as another story in that RDA fight. But, you know, does he get more tired if he's getting shut down? Um, so outside of a mental lapse, which could totally happen, you're going to probably have a pro-Covington crowd. Again, I know everyone gets mad at the media to keep politics out of sports, but it's like, <laughs> dude, look at this lineup, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, you know, uh, you look at look at the fighters on the cards from the prelims. You know, uh, for their past statements toward uh, immigrants and people uh, or people of color. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, they're gonna be all jacked up. They're, you know, I guess Trump's gonna be here again because you know, again, every pay per view is like the Republican National Convention, but it's it's the media, it's the the fucking media guys, the those fucking goofs. You know, uh, but yeah, it's. <clears throat> But yeah, so gonna, there's going to be a, a pro. Uh, I'm bring, but I'm actually bringing up the relevant portion of that to the analysis, which is there's going to be a pro pro Covington crowd there. So if Leon starts to slip and have a mental lapse, like you know, um, you know, unless he has like his own version of Chris Gutierrez moment, then uh, I don't see him losing. So I'm picking Leon Edwards. Uh, he's my second biggest play on the card. <laughs> you can probably guess who the biggest one's going to be. Uh, 2.5 units. Again, going big here. Uh, at minus 155. And then um, I think that equals out to about, like, what was it? Uh, two units. Um, but then uh, it's 1.5 units. If he doesn't get uh, finish him in rounds three, four, or five, I'm officially picking him to finish Colby in round four. Speaking of round four. Um, but I did the typical... 0.17 U's uh, Edwards round three plus 1600. 0.17 U Edwards round four plus 2000. Uh, 0.17 U Edwards round five plus 2500. 0.17 U. Um, da -da -da -da. So yeah, that that is my pick for that one. I'm gonna clean up the chat here. James Kendrick for the Neckies Awards. Can we give an award for most reliable? Favorite and most reliable underdog. That's a good one. That's a really appropriate one, James Kendrick. Good shout there. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll try to mull uh, that over and give you an answer in the next podcast or two. How about that, sir? Good one. Jimmy Kudo, Necky Award idea. Best bodywork performance. <laughs> you guys know me too well. Oh, uh, Fenyo. Um, he does look like Harold. Oh, now I got to look like, now I got to look up Harold from, uh, is Harold is a is a Hey Arnold character, right, uh, Fenyo? 
Uh, we're talking about Steve Garcia, of course, Mean Machine. Uh, Harold Berman from Hey Arnold. <laughs> looks like I looks like I picked up on something. Makoto Kayagoku is uh is with you, Fenyo. Oh my goodness, that that is my one superpower. It's like stupid analysis that doesn't amount to much, or comparing people to like their movie or like char cartoon character doppelgangers. That is my secret power. Um, James Kendrick, I'll always remember Steve Garcia for running into an open side counter against Mahashate. Mishatate, that's right. Um, Ghost, Usman kept saying that he dominated the wrestling exchanges and people were believing him. Uh, which fight? Oh, with the, oh, yeah. That, I mean, you got to tell yourself that as a fighter, but yeah. Uh, I excuse Usman for saying that, but yeah, the people believe in that. That's, uh, you know, harder to excuse. Fenyo, your Dana is on point. Thanks, but maybe it's the suit jacket. I just need bigger collars. Like, listen, the fucking engagement on this is the fucking goof media. Sorry. Huh, buddy? Huh? Fucking Dana. Dan Irvin, taking a break from my flu binge uh, of The Wire to tune in. Thanks. I got to get back to your, um, my, my guy Dan Urban, because he is just so smart in many ways. Um, not just when it comes to judging criteria. Uh, jiu-jitsu and Jim Miller fandom like the important things in life uh, but he's also uh, speaking of the important things in life he is re-watching The Wire and I forget who else is doing that I think TB or The Guru or both those guys from Combat, Chronic Combat Conversations but I recommended this podcast to them and I'll do it to you because that's just what I do instead of like bothering to promote my own stuff more I'll just promote people's stuff that I like um, is uh, Pod Yourself a Gun which is Pod Yourself The Wire and they do The Wire episodes uh, Vince Mancini and uh Matt Lieb, who I totally rip off of when I do me parking. Uh, terrible English accent, apologies. Um, the Wire is awesome, though. Uh, Ghost. Uh, the hand fighting by Leon along the fence was great, and I wouldn't even have looked at that if you didn't put mention it in the preview. Wow, that means a lot, man. And I'm glad because then it pays off because people like yourself pick it up and put it in a much uh, very palatable, uh, digestible format like you do, Ghost. So thank you and good on you. All right, next fight, Cole, main event time. Pantosia season, minus 192, Brandon Royville, plus 160. Big fan of Brandon Royville, man. Big fan of Brandon Royville, fan of his camp. Um, when I've picked him, we've done well. When I haven't, I've still done well. Because like, I look back, I'm like, who did I pick? Nicolau or Royval, right? I didn't go back to look at that breakdown. But the pick was Nicolau. And I looked at my plays for that day, which was really annoying because we live just more crushing. It was like the Holloway Allen card. Uh, you know, just like classic things like, uh, oh, yeah, that was the time where I wanted to be that irresponsible chalk and fade the old guy. And, of course, that's the time where Barbosa has a great performance. And I was like a dummy. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I, I played the under for plus money, and that was just, you know, flyweight unders can kind of have some sneaky value and uh that was a great example of it so i still ended up making out on that one uh picked him picked moreno to beat him didn't know the shoulder was going to come out but watching this guy in lfa and what's not just either happened to him in fights low-key uh, even like if they didn't cost him but like you'll see like royville's ankle give out and stuff like that or other lanky fighters again what are my check boxes bantamweights flyweights Five nine and up, long, lanky fighters cutting weight, especially as they get into their thirties, from thirty one and on. 
yeah, sure enough, you know, uh, you know, whether it's happened to him or fighters he was facing again on the LFA regional scene, we, we've seen it's a tale as old as time, you know. Even, uh, I don't know if Anik, uh, you know, amongst people who have cribbed, uh, maybe cribbed off this, but I, I appreciate it because Anik is just sharp and he is, uh, I don't know, I think people get kind of like triggered when he says O'Malley's durability, he questions it, but I completely understand what Anik is saying because Anik is talking about the same thing I am. It's not his chin, not that, He's impervious there. But we're talking about durabilities and physical durability. Like, how do you hold up, right? Um, I forget who did I talk about this recently with tall fighters and going to the body, not just being a natural bigger target, but if they're cutting a lot of weight, it could make them weak there, and we kind of saw that. Um, I know that was just a couple weeks ago I had that call. Um, so these are these are things I look for, right? And even though Royville is young, and don't get me wrong, like, man, people I respect are on Royville. I like Royville. Um, with the way the odds are going, even though you're technically getting a discount even at 2-1 to one for Pantoja still because he opened at 2.5-1, to one, and that is fair. Uh, at the same time, I'm not going to tell you, even though I'm a big Pantoja fan, hashtag Pantoja season, I'm not going to sit here and be like, yeah, you just got to fucking eat that chalk, baby. Uh, you know, I'm Mr. Underdog here. I'm, I'm going to keep that same energy. People I respect are on Royval. Uh, people that I want to do well are on Royval. I like Royval's camp. And I have this sneaky, like, weird vision of, like, Kind of like, you know, uh, shout out to Phil McKenzie. I, sh I shared out his podcast and tweet earlier where he was talking about this could be like where Colby gets, and not to be like rude or whatever because they're not reductive either or trying to be reductive, nor am I, right? But was saying like something I agree with, like, you know, is Colby going to get fraud checked or is it going to be a competitive, you know, upset? It's like going to go one way or the other. And I feel like in a different context, the co-main event is the same way where, you know, does history repeat itself, right? And, 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 Rematches never go the same in MMA, which is why I'm picking a different result, even if I'm picking the same side. Um, but even at that, like, uh, you know, you, you've got that, right? And then as well as, like, you know, part of me has this inkling, like, I see that TJ Dillashaw, Hen and Burrell won, you know? Um, I see what Royville's talking about and what he's been trying to do, even though three fights and two of those being really early in the first round doesn't show us a lot. Even just going to that Bontarine fight, he does that more trying to pull and return outside angles, a little more conservative, being able to counter. And he's doing a really bad job of hinting at that, but he's hinting at it so much that if I wasn't so fully invested on the Pantoza side, I'll get there. Um, that I feel like there's sneaky value on the over. Like, if, especially if I was a Royville fan, I would be like, you know, maybe putting a little bit of the over in there. Because uh, it looks like, it sounds like he wants to extend this fight. And he's going to have the big cage and the footwork to do it. And his footwork and stuff is looking like much better and really smooth than the sparring footage and stuff you see online and practicing, and right? But that's like what we're seeing online, and that's practice, and that's drills, right? It's doing it in the fight. And then the fight, you know, uh, still needs a lot of reminders to stay on track as far as, you know, uh, exiting off of different angles that he comes in on. Uh, and then when he does get thrown out of position, trying to exit hard off those angles, he still has the natural inclinations to spin. You know, kind of like a Tony Ferguson who we'll talk about, right? Um, and, you know, both guys, whether they're successful with it or not, even though they've had successful moments spinning and hitting guys, both those guys, right? Even their own corners, for what it's worth, are like, please stop doing that. <laughs> Don't give a position. You know, be defensively responsible, as they corners should be, right? So it's like, can he can he do that? Can he fight that perfect fight, right? And uh, I, we've seen much crazier things. Like no one should be 
surprised if Pantoja, uh, if Royville not only wins, but is able to like have his TJ Dillashaw moment. But at 31 years old, especially at the weight class and the weight he's cutting and the dynamic, the five, like the things I laid out earlier, the time's got to be now for Royville, right? It's got to be now if it's going to happen. Um, but at the same time, maybe not because maybe you could argue, even though, which was my argument for Pantoja as well, even though he had more miles on him, going into the fight, Moreno has had a shit ton of miles from 2020 to 2023, right? And you could make the argument that, yeah, Royville definitely has less miles, but I see people trying to make that same argument that I was making, which was way more pronounced in the Moreno-Pantoja matchup. People are using that same argument for this one, and it's not as pronounced. I don't know about that, you know? Like, I get it. Pantoja's older, but he's not that old. He's 33 years old, you know? It's more like how long he's been fighting. But again, I think the man has proven himself to be Brazilian warhorse territory, right, folks? I mean, you don't even have to win a title uh Ala Edison Barbosa, who we were just talking about, to be considered Brazilian warhorse territory, but he is amongst the RDAs and the Dubronxes, the Glover Teixeiras. I mean, how cool would it be if like Glover was still two hundred five champ, Poetan was one eighty five, Dubronx was one fifty five, and, and and Pantoja was one twenty five? Oh my god, damn! Why are you like jizzing over Brazilian fighters so much? I don't know. You call me out on it, but it's, this is who I love, folks. The fighters that take the long road, baby, took the long road. And just fucking just great, respectful sportsmen, great examples, just solid people. Like, how can you not, uh, how can you not love it? Um, but yeah, it's got to be now. That being said, the durability, uh, I don't like. And that kind of measures into the method. And, you know, again, uh, even though I imagine he's going to be more responsible and is trading things um, and has been able to grapple more since he had that shoulder surgery, and I do believe that his shoulder is stronger, folks. Uh, but again, I, I forget which fight it is, but his ankle like gives out. Not only does he like kick out of position and then fall, or opponents will catch kicks, which again are all things that are bad for him and good for Pantoja in this fight, and just like they were in the last one. Um, but like you'll see his ankles and stuff like kind of give out like O'Malley. Again, drawing these parallels for a reason, folks. Say to look out for these things for a reason. Even though my picks and plays may not match up, I keep getting proven right on this analysis for a reason. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, you know, uh, basically I played the KO prop for Pantoja uh, because not only can Pantoja, uh, not only has he rocked him with right hands, uh, literally the la- outside of his last fight Nicol- with Nicolau, Royville's last five opponents have all rocked him with right hands. They don't get credited for drops or anything per se, but they all have got, they all have cracked him uh, standing and on the floor, right? Uh, he's been cracked standing and on the floor. Pantoja has finished people, high-level people, high-level UFC-level southpaw challengers like Wilson Hayes. I know, chin, striking, not as good as Royville. I'm just saying. He has finished those types of people, both standing and on the floor. Um, Royville does not sound like he wants to grapple, so a lot of this is going to be on the feet, but just the, the, the right hands are just the common culprit. You can see it all day. You know, and then, you know, even if they have a good game plan, I, I just feel like Royville can be shook off of it, you know? Something about his personality, he seems like he can be, like, really, like, fl- flustered. I really like the kid, too, but he seems like he can be really flustered easily. And it might, you know, like, it, it, I hate to use that Mike Tyson overused quote, but, like, your game plan goes out the window when you get punched in the face. Whereas Pantoja, we've seen him make terrible tactical decisions and blow his gas tank out 
way too early if it was a three-round fight, much less a five-round fight, when he finally gets a title shot. What does he do? He continues on to win the decision. You know? Um, we've seen him pull out that in just his last fight throughout five rounds. Uh, previously scheduled three-round fights against this very same opponent. You know? He's fought the same guys multiple times. He's undefeated in rematches. 2-0 and technically. 3-0 and if you want to count that exhibition with Moreno. 3-1 and against UFC-level southpaws. Of course, that one comes to Askar Askarov, but... I feel like I was kind of proved right on Askarov. Askarov, even though I feel like he does get a little too much hype, it's not like he's a bad fighter at the end of the day. He's a good fighter. Let's let's not lose sight of that. But secondly, it was one of those fights where it's it's a bad performance from Pantoja. One of arguably one of his worst, perhaps. But it's also much closer than you might realize when you go back and watch it. It's one of those fights, right? We'll talk about like Ige Emmett or Ige and Mitchell, right? Like it's classic, like uh, not only was it closer than I remember, like, you could make an argument for this person winning, you know? Uh, maybe not so much that case with the Askarov one, but the timing of the Askarov fight is something you have to look at, too. This was Pantoja's first fight. You know, he didn't have his family. This is when he was still, this is when he, not just, this is July 2020, so everybody kind of has that excuse of, you know, gyms are shut down still at this point. This is his first fight back in pandemic period, so you got to give him a little bit of leeway for that with that Askarov fight. But then with the backstory, the dude was doing Uber Eats just to try to, like, get his family up here to America at this time. Like, he was just only coming up for camps and having to stay and send money and be away. And it was, like, a really difficult time for him. Like, he's talked about that recently. He never made excuses for it at the time. He's only been talking about this stuff recently in interviews. But you almost, you know, you almost wonder how much of it is that. And, like, that's his one Southpaw loss, right? But of course, his other wins, uh, Oka Sasaki. He doesn't stay standing with him too long. He just takes him down. Um, and just gets to gets to where he knows he can win. Maybe something he could do here because, of course, Brandon Royville rounds out that 3-1 to one stat as the third southpaw he already beat. Uh, Pantoja will actually... His game really doesn't change. You know, he, like, he granted part, part and parcel because he is a counterfighter, but uh, he will do something I love to see. Um, I was just saw Rachmanoff doing it, which always made me happy. But, like, he will jab the open stance, right? Or at least use it at the very least as a prod to set up his front kicks, his power kicks, and his 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 wind-ups into combination. Um, Guru Askarov was at the top of the food chain at the point. He was, absolutely, yeah. The, the, the stock was at his absolute highest when he fought him. Uh, what's up, Guru? I lo- love you on the show the uh, couple weeks ago, my man. You were great. Um, but, yeah... Um, yeah, so uh, I I, uh, I just feel like that dynamic is going to be there, you know. I, I shared out my guy, uh, Will, uh, Open Note Grapple. I didn't go read it because I want to keep my filter clean. But I'm guessing he, I'm guessing he's probably going to, you know, if I go open his article, he'll probably suspect that the dynamic's very similar. He's just going to have a really good uh, grappling breakdown. So I suggest, you know, going to check him out, you know, talking about uh, the diagonal controls and the things that, like, Pantoja was was, uh, was doing. I always call it, it's what I refer to as cross controls, uh, if you've, heard me for years saying cross control that's what i was kind of taught to it as uh neil melanson if you're got you know you're riding someone turtle or you got one hook in you should be wanting always wanting the kitty corner that's what you want you know for your cross wrist ride uh khabib style uh, underhooks from the front or back kind of a deal you want that cross control right top side half guard what leg are you wrapped on well it's usually the cross the body is where you want that cross control for your underhook and you can go elbows or shoulder pressure Right, frames, head and arms, passes, all that fun stuff. 
Um, but yeah, uh, let's see, Fenyo, hot take, Pantoja still beat Askarov. There we go, I'm not crazy, my man Fenyo, one of the scorecards I trust the most on the timeline, as should you. My guy Fenyo knows what he's talking about. And how about Fenyo, man, he does an excellent show, the Early Prelims Podcast, as well as the full preview show, I share it for a reason, folks. And it's really hard to just do a show, I'm not saying it's hard, like it's a fucking, fucking first world problem here. But, like, you know what I'm saying? It's harder than people realize to do a show solo, A, um, to keep it going, to say, and, and to keep it going, to say, and to say actual stuff with substance, B. Those are two different things there. C, you could say maybe I do a decent job of those two. Thank you, I guess. But I cannot hold the candle to this. Being able to do it in a second language, holy shit. And Fanyo does literally all three of those. So I just want to give him a prop, do dap, and you should go support his show. Uh, Fenyo, with good criteria, bad performance aside. Yes, yes, I agree for that Pantoja Askarov. Um, yeah, so like that dynamic is still going to be there. Um, and whether Pantoja wants to come forward or counter, which I think it'd be smarter to counter because even though Pantoja's chin is tried and true, it's MMA. It's a fist fight, folks. Not going to pretend that Pantoja can't be stopped. And as we've seen, those knees can really bail out um, I was going to say Elliot Royval. Um, they're just themes. They're quiet themes in a lot of his fights, right? He hits them. So that is the one danger of coming forward. Uh, he has really good, uh, you know, um, kind of, uh, you know, proprioception or at least eyes on the fly, so to speak. Eyes in exchanges, Royval does. Um, but again, you know, subbing a guy like Pantoja, I mean, there's black belts and there's black belts. Um, and even if Royville's been working extra hard on it, uh, and as a black belt himself, it's hard not to rate Pantoja just higher from what we've seen of him technique-wise to how it stacks up against the actual sample in question. Not not but two years ago, August 2021, when they fought. So, uh, yeah. Um, even though I don't want to say Pantoja's being disrespected because he's the favorite, but again, the MMA betting public, is a real attractive person to bet and like as an analyst as as a fan as a casual so i'm not hating on him i'm not hating on people who like him i completely get it but you couple that the typical the two basic top trends of mma gambling which is ooh flashy thing spinny kicky kick young guy uh to uh oh this person's old oh, oh weak soggy soggy Penis. No, not for me. That's basically the basic breakdown. If you need to know about the MMA gambling world, that pretty much sums it up. I feel like that's a fair summation. Clearly kidding here. Not really. But, uh, <clears throat> yeah, so, uh, obviously, the number has, which you could argue this is probably more of a, a realistic number, if we're, you know, because it is a volatile game, right? I don't disagree with that. But, yes, the number has gone down. So, even if it's minus 200, you're still getting a 50-cent discount on the line. That being said, minus 200 is not really sexy. Even the minus 190s aren't too sexy. But I saw Pantoja dip down on Caesars William Hill to minus 175. It's no longer that way, unfortunately. I did actually track my stuff earlier in the week, at least earlier as in like before the show, which I never do for what it's worth because I did get those good lines um, and I wanted to be transparent about when I got them. But it was Caesars William Hill and Pantoja minus 175. And I this is the biggest bet I've ever done tracked, folks. Um, I think I did like a $800 bet on Canelo one time, like a couple years ago, just to like uh, 
probably like a few years ago now at this point just to get like a rollover uh, out of the way like I had a bunch of money in my bankroll but I think I did a, a deposit within enough time where they, they could they could use that to deny me a withdrawal and I looked at like how further I was away and I'm like man I would need like to make a fucking a whole cards worth of bets but it was probably at the end of the year now so it was just I'm like oh what's the, what's the next big bomb oh Canelo's fighting this weekend alright I'm just gonna go fucking pour on him as a minus 700 favorite or whatever because I actually had the bankroll to do so and I used that but outside of like some weird shit like that that nobody knows about or cares about, uh, this will be the biggest one. It's 3.5 units Pantoja, minus 175 Pantoja season, baby. I mean, you proud of me now? Uh, I mean, oh my god, fight of the year. Though people are already disrespect I me, mean, the flyweights just get so much disrespect. Royville too, getting buried on the prelims. Like I got again, I got love for Royville. He's he's a part of this equation too, even if I'm not picking him, folks. Um. Fucking flyweights are awesome. The fact that this fight's not getting the love it deserves, and it's even a question that what the fight of the night is, what the main event of the night, real main event of the night is. It's 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 Pantoja Royval. I don't even see how it's a fucking question, even before these cancellations. Keep Ian Gary on the card or whatever, because um, it doesn't matter. People are gonna make their jokes. Oh my god, I'm not trying to be like Mr. Fucking Curmudgeon and party pooping and fucking uh, what do you call like Buzz Killington, but like. Uh, Holy shit. And, and I'm sure there's funny ones and shouts. You're not a bad person to be made of. But it's just, as a contrarian, I can't help it. Like, oh my God. Like, shout out to the film vault, uh, Anderson to Brian going, make your joke, Brian. Make your joke. That's what I feel like. It's just like everyone, oh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, 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 it's fighters giving unsolicited opinions and then uh, all us f fucking caged animals uh, on the sidelines. Uh, with our fucking jokes for engagement, but that's just the thing we're in, right? It's it's engagement whoring, you know. We gotta have like tweets every thirty minutes for engagement, you know. Um, and even seeing media do it, it's just like what the. F I don't know, man. Yeah, you can, you can, uh, you can. I'm not. I don't care. I don't care enough about the topic to argue moral lines because I'm not that person. Uh, I'm not morally right. I'm not a, you know, some kind of fucking statue of it. I'm not trying to point my finger. I don't give a shit. But there are some things that, like, I feel like, you know, the sky is it's pretty easy to tell that the sky is blue. I don't think we really need to argue on what color the sky is. And at the end of the day, what side of that are you on? Are you saying, are you someone saying the sky, you know, the sky is red or the sky is blue? Are you saying someone that's like, okay, fine, I'm not even going to argue. We should have the right to insult, talk about family, whether it's uh, living wives or dead fathers, right? Let's just let's just say that's all on the table. Uh, okay, so you you, you just you, you want to make it that known, huh? That you just you you're on side of I like when people talk about dead wives and disrespect families and this and that, and step over the you know you know uh, do that kind of behavior. Whether you want to whether we want to call it stepping over over the lines, I don't give a shit where the line is at. All I know is. There's shitty behavior and there's, you know, there's there's being a good good human being. I mean, and at a certain point, it can be unclear, but at a certain point, it can be pretty damn clear. Like, I don't think we need to be rocket scientists to figure out who's acting shitty and who's not. And that's cool. You can be a fan of the shitty person. That's fine. But let's, uh, you know, I, I don't get the, I don't get the calories burnt to defend shittiness. It's just which is just the classic thing. And I'm a fucking contrarian, folks. But again, it's the engagement game, right? Slab's got five of engagement. 
that is the same thing of what's going on. It's, you know, of uh, that, that, uh, Dana's talk of slap is like, it, it correlates to what I'm talking about for engagement tweets. It correlates what I'm talking about to my complaints on threads. Not against the good threaders, regardless of your check marks. Still sharing all y'all. But you just see shitty things like, who put this list together? Like, oh, that's right. They don't really care about the analysis. They just want to have fucking something shared. And they figure out how to crack the code. Um, so that's why I just don't engage with shit. That's why you don't see me post on uh, on, uh, on this stuff. Um, and there's plenty of other ways to be funny, to be honest. Like, But, like, yeah, not to say you can't talk about that shit. But it's just, like, it's so fucking tired. And I don't think that's a crazy thing to say. So, yeah, anyways, I got Pantoja. Oh, and I played Pantoja by um, KL, like I said earlier. Plus 525, I got a decent number on that uh, over at BAOL. And I put a half unit on that, so plus the 3.5 unit, minus 175, that's four units on Pantoja total. Because, again, he can legitimately get it standing on the floor. And um, if it's uh, KOs, also cover disqualifications as well as injury stoppages, right? So... Not that I would wish that on Royville or anything, but again, he has a history of that. Something goes wrong. He doesn't make you. Maybe the fight gets stopped in the corner or whatever, right? We still catch the TKL prop. Uh, so I'm probably going to put that in a round robin as well. All right. Um, next fight will go Rock, Shavkat Rachmanov. Uh, minus 650. Steven Wonderboy Thompson plus 470. Just finished watching tape on this. Um... Again, speaking of sacrifice, hopefully I'm not in trouble for being uh, late on an article, but I was like, either I write, you know, article six of nine, or I get one one last uh, fight to finish my main card tape study so I have more to give you guys. And just all these little things where I just hurt my own goals, paycheck, well-being, health, circle, or whatever, just to do this stuff. So forgive me, you know, if I'm a little, eh. Uh, after about a half decade of going it alone with uh, no producers, help, assistance, nothing of that shit. So I'm trying, folks. I'm trying. Um, yeah, you're kind of priced out of playing this one. You know, I'm like, do I, is there a contrarian at what po- uh, the reason to play Thompson at this number? And or at what number do you play Thompson, right? And uh, I was more than willing to leave the door open for optimistic answers for those until watching the tape. And not so much. Even though Thompson had a, a great performance last time out and a fun one, it was against Kevin Holland, who can is good, but also can be have weird performances, especially when he states beforehand he's going to have a weird performance where he takes advantage of none of the clinch things or takedowns that he did get, right? That kind of came up organically. Hold. We'll talk about that. As well as the fact that that fight has been over a year ago. I mean, uh, it's not a Covington layoff, but, I mean, it's still over a year layoff. And at Thompson's age... You don't know how kind, or I should say unkind, those can be. Uh, moreover, you also have to remember that Holland fight, that about round two as early as round two, because he doesn't tell his corner until round three, but it actually happens earlier, in like round two, I believe. Uh, Holland actually you know, stops using uh, his hand, clearly hurts his hand sometime in that round. So watching anything past that, especially because this, this one's only scheduled for three, whereas that one was scheduled for five and went in championship round, so to speak. Um, yeah, like you got to keep that in mind when you're taking in that sample size. So even though Thompson may have looked good, uh, what I was looking at was his cage position. You know, Thompson is good footwork, so he can get away with dancing on the outside of the cage. He will have the big cage here, but even in the big cage there, 
against a guy who's not known for cage corralling, against a guy who himself in Holland promised no grappling and doesn't have the best wrestling, at least offensively, still got takedowns, still ended up on top, still ended up in clinches, and still ended up, Thompson at least, with his back to the fence, and he would turn it around and was breaking Holland down again, the back half, but I'm talking about those first two rounds when Holland is kind of fully functional. Um, these are 50-50s in the exchanges, and not only that, uh, Holland's having his most success with knees, uh, catching Wonder Boy with knees in and out of the clinch, which is Rachmanoff shit, right? He loves knees to the body. He was punishing Jeff Neal uh, to the body, which is great to see again. Open stance, dangerous striker, fast striker, still jabbing in the open stance, still working the body. And the body work in particular, the fact that he works the body so much I love because against a guy like Thompson, long guys, in and out guys, you want to go for their legs and body. You, you go for the head, you're just chasing a ghost, you know, which is the problem with Jeff Neal because he's a major headhunter, right? So you got Rachmanoff, who's actually working the body, uh, which is great. I think that's going to serve him well. And Rachmanoff has, you know, um, more, I would say, more proprioception than a, a guy like Royville. Uh, maybe not the power behind, obviously, like a Poeton, but more closer to that Poeton style of uh, proprioception. You know, you got a nice, you got a, a long, lanky guy, but he packs real power uh, and he can really find things on the fly. Um, he kicks more than Poeton, but Poeton will he not only throw kicks and head kicks, uh, not kicks, everyone knows he leg kicks, but I'm talking about like head kicks or like spin kicks, flashier shit like Poeton. He doesn't do it often, but he has spooky accuracy, which shouldn't be surprising. Again, considering his proprioception, he can kick a soccer ball and shoot an arrow into it at the same time working all these different motor functions you know when most of us have trouble doing the circling uh, our stomach and patting ourselves on the head thing if you're not watching uh, video wise right um, the man's got some insane um, you know coordination proprioception the lot and uh, Shavkat Rachmanov looks like he's got a bit of that you know and he spins a lot more whether it's spin side kicks to the body to the head um, adjusting things on the fly, even more simpler things like punch combinations, pocket strikes on the fly, uh, finding knees, intercepting with those. So you have to imagine, at least especially with the spinning stuff, if you can do that and have a good eye for it, generally you can see it coming at you too. Um, Thompson's counters are still going to be live, you know. Uh, Rachmanov showed he, he plays fast and loose. Um, that's something I, I kind of don't like about his game in the clinch and striking defense. There's a similar theme there where he's so confident and comfortable that he is like, okay, and because and, and, he's got a bit of a natural counterfight in him at heart too, I think, that he will let things kind of slip by him and counter, and he's good. He'll take pivots and angles, and again, he's doing stuff right, but he just plays a little fast and loose. And now he also proved that he has the chin for it, right? If he was able to take Jeff Neal's shots, unless it's the perfect shot, which could put anybody out, of course, Power the last thing to go, of course. But yes, if he took Jeff Neal's shot, chances are he's probably going to be able to take Wonder Boy shots, right? So maybe that's where his confidence comes from as well. Um, but regardless of the level of striking threat, you would like to see that stuff cleaned up. And as far as the clinch goes, you notice it in the Jeff Neal fight because with the Magni fight, he does some cool things and you're like, I feel like Magni would be harder to take down in a weird way than Jeff Neal is, even though I'm somebody who likes to remind the masses that Jeff Neal was actually like a ground and pound guy and a cage grappling guy throughout the first half of his career. It wasn't until he got into the UFC where he really starts going full-fledged into striking. But even that said, I was still surprised that Chef Cat didn't have more success. Now, 
it wasn't that he didn't have more success. It's just that, again, back to the fast and loose theme, it didn't look like he was really trying with Jeff Neal to take him down. He was, uh, he was really just trying to, uh, he's, you know, again, seeing what kind of comes to him. Like with the Magni takedown, it's a, it's a mistake, right? These are mistakes. He, it's a catch kick in the round one. It's a, uh, it's a knee lift, and he wasn't blocking a turn a certain way, and he was able to take him down to the weak side against the cage in round two. They were mistakes. He, he depends off working off m- opponent's mistakes, and he's good. He knows what to do. Uh, he's durable. Uh, he's got the record, right, to, to, to back all these things up. But again, you don't like seeing, at least from the analyst point of view and coaching point of view, you don't like seeing somebody rest on their laurels, so to speak, you know? Especially on a matchup like this where even if, okay, you, maybe you can take his shots better, it's still Stephen Wonderboy Thompson in there, right? Um, and you don't want to fight his A game, uh, no matter what level post-prime he's at. Why don't you just take the path of least resistance, right? So... It's kind of an IQ test, but as well for me as an urgency test to see if Shavkat can be urgent. I want to see if he's got that gear to be urgent. He's so confident and things have been coming his way and he has so many things programmed and can react with that proprioception. I want to see him have that a stronger initiative and urgency is what I'm saying here. And I think this is a matchup that would be perfect for it. Right? It's not one where he needs to, right? It's not like Anthony Smith, Khalil Roundtree. Like, you need the urgency or you're going to die, Shafkat. Like, it's not those stakes, at least on paper. Although, again, anything can happen, folks. So I want to see that urgency. Um, but speaking of Poetan proprioception, I'm going to go uh, Poetan Bettyoception with the uh, Rachmanoffs been a similar like Poetan. These prospects that you, you whether you're they're getting the respect on the money lines or not, it could be kind of hard to find a price you like on them, right? Maybe not guys you want to play chalk on, but heavy chalk on, but playing the rounds. Hot rounds. Get your hot rounds here. And uh, I've been cashing on round two and three sprinkles in the Magni fight and in the Neil fight. And I'm going to do that same method here again. It's not as sexy. They've caught on. They've lowered the numbers with the spread as it is. You can imagine. Again, we're kind of priced out. I don't want to choose, Parker, although if I did, I would go round two, round three by sub. You can find those at like 1,200 and 1,700. Maybe I might take a little action on that. But no, um, I went over at uh, BetMGM as the best numbers, uh, plus 380 round two, half a unit, and plus 650 for round three, uh, Shafkot, both those rounds. So instead of, you know, Laying $650 to get $100 back, which is what minus $650 means, uh, I'll just lay $100 total. And basically, the math, the way it checks out, is if round one hits, including what I have to give back for the missed round three prop, or if round two hits, including what I have to give back for the missed round three prop, it's pretty much a unit and a half in my pocket. And if round three hits, including what I have to give back for the missed round two prop, it is, I believe, 2.75 use, almost three units. Um, so potentially to make 1.5 to 3 units off of one unit. Not sexy, but considering the context of what's available, I'd say not bad. We're going to go back to the round well, baby. That's the only play I have on that one. Um, I'm going to get through the rest of this main card, and I'll clean up the chat. Uh, we got Patty Pimblet, minus 310. Fulhanel, Patty Pimblet, Patty the Batty. He is going to soon be Patty the Daddy, <laughs> but on this show... He is Patty the White Natty for his uh, his views on immigrants. Uh, but yes, uh, <laughs> Tony Ferguson, plus 250. At least he didn't use the, the mongrel term, right? He's like, he's steering away from like old, uh, old school racist uh, terms. Uh, he's using nit 
which I guess is nitwit. Although, uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe there's a weird etymology there. I'm not the police on words, so I don't care. I just, I just, I just can't help but notice these things are kind of funny of course Tony Ferguson uh, I made a joke in this podcast years ago that has sadly come true where I said Tony is, is it just me or is Tony slowly morphing into the Mexican uncle at the family barbecue who wants to show you his knife trick for the umpteenth time like hey Chico come here oh, what is it Uncle Tony I want to show you something Uncle Tony wants to show us his knife trick again oh, let's go no it looks like he's been drinking I know it's just make it quick alright Uncle Tony we're coming <laughs> like <laughs> and then like in the press conference today he even made or like this week I forget what the context of what exactly he said but he in his end of his answers he's like oh yeah man I just want to be I just want to be like the uncle at the uh, at the barbecue you know and I'm like no Tony you are the uncle at the barbecue oh no <laughs> um you know and speaking of shout out to my guy Phil McKenzie in the Heavy Hands podcast um this is like total, you know, I totally have the same inclinations as Phil as far as his coin term sadness hedging goes, where this matchup gets announced and instead of going, now's the time, no, 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 all the way up until just last 24 hours since I started researching this matchup, actually, I just was like, which is the most depressing way for Tony to lose? And that'll be it. Like, that's what we're playing. Like, we're like, we're like comparing the clippings on like the most depressing methods and we're seeing which is the more depressing way and that's what we're going to go with. That feels like the general method. But when you look, again, speaking of ride or dies, right? Um, you know, and I like I love Thompson, Kempo Karate guy. I know I picked against him, but I've also been a big Rachmaninoff fan, obviously big Pantoja fan. Um, I already explained the Edward, uh, the dynamic with the Edwards-Covington, you know, do or die fraud check there. Uh, this could be a similar one where it's just one of those things where, and we'll get to it with Bryce Mitchell as well, where is this fighter who I thought we were, you know? It's one of those things where I don't encourage betting, and I don't encourage certainly stubborn betting, but it's one of those things where I warn you to not get turned to, I know me of all people, saying don't get too put off by your losses. Hey, take your own advice, Dan. But I, I say it in this way, meaning that, like, you see it all the time where I'm like, I'll hear someone breaking down someone, you know, a fight, for example, like, and, and I'm not picking on it because I've done this too. We've all done this, if we're being honest, where you hear someone, and if you think they're being negative, just wait. And even if they don't say it, or if you ask them, if you're able to, ask them, like, did you bet on this person in the last fight? And they'll be like, oh, yeah, they fucking burned me. And you're like, oh, well, that explains that breakdown. I was wondering where all this vitriol and kind of biasy and, you know, not that you, what they were saying was necessarily wrong, but it was very one-sided, very heavy-handed, right? And again, I've done this too. I am guilty too here, folks. That's not my point. It's not to come at anybody by saying this. It's just something we need to be aware of because it's human nature, right? Overcorrecting the steering wheel. I talk about that all the time. And um, sometimes it happens with fighters you like, right? Like a Tony Ferguson. Now, I haven't picked Tony for his last five fights or so straight, so I guess I've already come to peace with picking against him. But I've seen people take shots you know, uh, different friends at different times where they go, you know, now's it. Maybe Tony's going to get this one. And even though I was like, oh, man, I don't think it's going to happen. I hope you're right. I don't think it's going to happen. I could understand it. I could understand it, even though I wasn't there, right? Because, again, it's, you know, but then when you get burned, you're just like, at a certain point, you're like, okay, I give up on this guy, right? Even if it's a guy you like, right? Whereas on the contrary, there could be a guy you don't like and you bet against him and you get burned and you're like, mm, I don't want to be a hater. I don't want to be stubborn. I don't want to be someone who doesn't learn from their mistakes, right? Who who wants to be that? 
So you're like, okay, well, I'm going to be mature and learn from my mistakes and be a, maybe not a fan of this person, but appreciate them and wish them the best and take them seriously going forward and all that stuff, right? And you could almost be doing yourself a disservice because maybe your read was freaking right the whole time. And there are so many things I can think of both these examples, but I can't think of them right now. Although this is a perfect example of when not only do you have one of those things, but you have both versions of those things coming together. You got the fighter you like who's stocked down versus the fighter you don't like and don't think's good who is stocked up and now they're meeting. Is it a perfect time for the promotion in your classic crossroads fight definition where they're using the old guy to put the younger guy over? Like many of us, especially those of us sadness hedging like I just said, expect it? Or is it the perfect motherfucking timing? You were an OG Tony Ferguson fan and you've been able to see through the pimlet hype. It's one of those weird ones, right? And spoiler alert, I am finally back on the Ferguson train. I don't think he's back. This isn't, oh, Ferguson's back. No, no, no. It's terrible. I talked to uh, my guy Gil Gardado who beat a Giga Chikatsu who was supposed to be on this card during the conditioning coach Extreme Couture. This isn't gym manager now Extreme Couture. Shouts to Gil, well-deserved. And both uh, his opinion as a pro fighter, as a trainer, and as a physical fitness trainer, you know, he's like, that Coggins stuff is, is snake oil bullshit for one. Uh, which wasn't a surprise to hear. Uh, but for two, it's the worst for people like Tony, right? And I agree with Gil. But even that being said, uh, even though Tony is clearly post-prime, I feel like you know, I don't even need to make the argument here with analysis, just the value perspective we're getting this number. Um, against a clear step up against Patty, who has been inactive, he's been getting gifts, whether it was Jared Gordon his last fight, or uh, the last time he had to fight a guy with Tony Ferguson's uh, uh, a UFC level guy with Tony Ferguson's measurements, whom he lost, and even though that guy was even less durable, even at that time, uh, with all due respect, I love Cameron Ferris for his day off. Of course, I'm talking about Julian Arosa and Cage Warriors, one of you know one of the more controversial decisions from that promotion, um, right? Um, for all hardcores, I remember that one. Uh, so Patty's been, you know, getting gift decisions, so his record doesn't even really represent what it is, you know? You know, uh, I was talking to my buddy Aaron. He's like, he is young. Could he even prove? He seems like he's got a different, you know, you know, I don't, I don't know, you know, if his stance on, you know, uh, immigrants or people, you know, <laughs> uh, change or anything like that, but he does seem a bit more humble and, you know, maybe the maturity of going to have kids and life hitting you hard and maybe the fans not all going his way since the last fight despite him winning. Maybe that, that, that gave him some humble pie, and he's been working hard, right? We've already seen him improve on his uh, out-of-camp weight fluctuations and his strength and conditioning, you know. Who's to say he's not going to improve his technique? His, his technique did look slightly improved, especially in the very beginning from an offensive standpoint, but then once he started trying to flow and punch, you see that chin just still wanting to come up. And even in the stuff that he posts, we talk about Brandon Royville, right? We're like, what he's posting is good stuff, and most fighters generally you would think would want to post good stuff. Like... I didn't like the pad work or the pictures or the stuff that Patty was posting. Like, he was throwing naked kicks, stills of him with his chin up throwing naked kicks. And if you look at Tony, who I know he's been finished in four of his last six losses, but oddly enough, it was those fights he finished, got finished in. He actually did his best work. But because he got finished, because he got finished spectacularly on a spectacular streak, all for the world to see, you know, showing your ass, right? Poor Tony's showing his ass on way more than a 
I could ever complain about having to show my like he's having to really do it in front of everybody. It gets overlooked, but if you look at those four fights, he actually did did decent at first. Not only did decent, he hurt, even though wasn't credited for dropping, arguably dropped, and in some cases, even against Justin freaking Gaethje, his opponent could have been saved by the bell, right? Um, and what were they with? Majority of them were with left hands. What is Patty's common culprit? Left hands, no matter the stance. And whether it was Tony Ferguson, you know, throwing the uppercuts uh, against Gaethje uh, from Orthodox, uh, whether it was the southpaw counters that he was lighting Chandler up with in round one that people forget about, uh, the leg kicks, right, that he was uh, getting Nate with, uh, hobbling Nate, which is crazy. Like, and like, I believe the majority scorecards on the broadcast were giving round three to Tony Ferguson. I mean, it was more of an accentuated version of the point of Charles Johnson versus Jalgas Jumagulov. Say what you will with the scorecard, which I still thought was bullshit. Um, you want to argue scorecards, fine. There's still, there's, I don't know about you can argue the score for this particular round. And again, it's like it's a close round, but like the only person that showed reaction to striking was Charles Johnson, literally trying to stop his stomp his foot back into working again. Like we're so caught up with effective striking and correct, trying to correct the steering wheel, at least in theory, maybe not with Park Muniz, at least in theory, toward effective strikes, but yet we forget that leg work and body work are effective fucking strikes. And you got Nate Diaz literally like having to be warned to fight shaking his leg out, walking away. Like, how do you... I know Tony Ferguson, you know, had, you know, had like a little cut on his face and was taking some shots here and there in that round too, but like, how do you not award him for that? Like, clearly, you know. Um, And also, Tony Ferguson, something he's done in his prime, uh, I noticed, and even in this post-prime, uh, when he's able to tag a lot of these guys, like Bobby Green or them. So with Bobby Green, um, it's with a rough... It's with a shifting right hook. Uh, that he kind of stumbles him with. Not credited for a knockdown. Granted, Bobby was on one foot, so I'm not trying to argue that, although it, it was a good shot that he hit Bobby Green with, and he actually hits Bobby Green with a good shot prior to that as well. He was lighting Bobby Green up, but you forget, and I talked about this last time too, uh, so it's worth mentioning and why you got to go rewatch the tape. It's two minutes and 45 seconds into the very first round. Tony Ferguson's doing great up until he gets eye poked, and it's a bad eye poke. And Bobby Green didn't do it on purpose or anything, but you can't, deny the impact of it and Tony and I get it he's looked garbage he's on a losing streak so it's easy to just chalk it up to that but like no in his defense he was looking looking he was doing good you know he wasn't looking prime right but he was doing good and then he clearly wasn't within a round where he wasn't hurt he got eye poked uh, you forget that, but um, but about the uh, knockdown thing, it's it's when opponents are on one leg, he's really good at hitting people when they're on one leg, and that is when that is what Patty still does. He still will throw naked leg kicks. You tell he's really working on his jabs and his his boxing distance and and punching technique and being able to sit down on those better. Uh, but when he throws his leg kicks, a lot of them they're still naked, they're still by themselves without good feints or setups, and um, if he ends up on his back. I don't, you know, like, they both make such dumb decisions where it's like they both could dump, dive right into each other's front headlock, you know? And both are just like, you know... And conversely, uh, even if they don't, you know, uh, get submitted, 
the other person will oblige the person diving into their front headlock, and even if they don't get the submission, will end up maybe losing a round or something and spending the rest of it on their back. Like they both have those faulty. For as different as they are, they share a lot of the same defensive quirks and decision-making quirks. It's really weird. Um, so, yeah, not just for value, but even when we actually go into the analysis within the context of a post-prime Tony, within the context of, you notice I'm not talking about any of Tony's wins. I'm only talking about his losses here still. Even within that context, I don't know, man. I still feel like there's a damn good case for Tony Ferguson. I was not expecting to do that. And even though I missed the 3-1, to one, which was insane, I was able to find plus 270. I put 1.5 on it. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I put 1.5 on it, and that's the only thing I played. Um, if that hits, that pays off my Pantoja exposure. Definitely pays off the Edwards exposure um, just for 1.5 at plus 270. And uh, then I don't got to sweat the rounds, how it happens. Because, again, this fight, both fighters could win. A, a, you could make cases for both guys in every round by every method. You can make cases for both guys by decision. Um but yeah, oh, another thing, uh, speaking of directionality, we talk about directionality a lot in these matchups. That's another thing. The directionality favors Ferguson. Say what you will about Ferguson, and you know he might take you know some matchups a while to get, to get into the striking, which was actually understandable in the Nate Diaz fight because not only was it a last-minute shift up for everybody, uh, Tony Ferguson got the worst of that on paper because he went from three to five rounds. He was going from 155 to 170, and even before the shook, the fight week sh shakeup took place with the uh, with all those fighters, there was only one fighter that didn't have a full camp, and that was Tony Ferguson. He only had three weeks' notice. That's why he was all out of shape. So, it, you know, again, we have to have we have to contextual. I know he, he's terrible. He's already on his downside. I get those things, but we, we do have to acknowledge other stuff too, right? It is part of the pie. It is part of the picture. Um, and directionality, he still will push forward more often than not. And Patty Pimblett, in all his fights, picture his fight in your head. I guarantee you that unless it's not like him running out in the center of the octagon, most of the fights, whether he's winning, losing, takedowns, submissions, knockdowns, him knocking someone out, him getting knocked down, him punching, getting punched, I guarantee you they are all 90% of those in your head are taking place near a fence. And I'd say at least 60% of that 90%, Patty's in the negative position with his back to the fence. He is not a hard fighter to push back to the fence. And Tony Ferguson, whether we're talking about traditional Tony, if I will for a second, because it's something built into him, to even as bad as he's looked in this run, folks, again, I'm highlighting the quiet things he's done well, right? On those strikes, across those four matchups, where he got finished, where he was actually doing good in the first place. Guess where those happened? Gaethje, where was he? By the fence. Where was Chandler? By the fence. Where was Green? By the fence. Where was Nate getting pushed back to at the very least? Hold your breath. It was by the fence. That's Tony's kill zone. Um, you know. Yeah, man. Fuck it. I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, I, I, I it's not even the the FOMO of I don't want to miss out like a Bobby Green Grant Grant Dawson spot, but this this could be that. This really could be that. And how awesome would that be, huh? All right. Uh, main card, uh, last main card fight. This just got shifted to the main card because Luke and uh, Ian Machado. Uh, I'm not here to take part. I'm here to have pneumonia. And that was another thing too. Like 
on top of like everybody couldn't wait to like have their Ian Gary joke and like shit on him or whatever. Not that I care. I'm not even an Ian Gary fan. I don't even feel bad for the guy. I just think it's just kind of ridiculous at a certain point. Um, but like, come on, guys. Like we all know this. When a fighter misses embedded or media. It's 90% due to injury and sickness, not because they're scared of trash talk. Like, come on now. Really? Like, that was that was even more ridiculous, seeing people jump the train on that and show their ass. Like, Jesus fucking Christ. Really? Um, so, yeah, that, I, I don't even... So it's like, the dude was sick. Again, he's not here to take part. I'm here to have pneumonia. So now moving to the main card is minus 225, Bryce Mitchell, Josh Emmett, plus 185. So, again... You got two dynamics at play here where I'm not trusting myself. You know, I'm, I'm Mr. Oh, I was right with Volkanovsky, the pound-for-pound pound great. You look, you look genius there, I guess, saying that short notice matters, even though it was really fucking obvious and it shouldn't have been a fucking smart point for me. It wasn't. It was an obvious one. It should have been obvious. But then, you know, I was talking to my guy Brad, and he was saying, and, you know, and he's been right, man. Maybe short notice does not mean as much these days because... Not only are they winning, these motherfuckers are coming in and being favored to win, right? And we just had the Jalen Turner and the Bobby Green. And this is happening a lot. And for me, it just feels like wrong. Like, why are we favoring this person this much? Uh, favoring them for one. Favoring them by this much for two. And or doubling down on the favoring in reference to the public money. Pushing the favorite line even further for the short notice fighter. Even if it stylistically fits them, like it did with Jalen Turner or Bobby Green, where I was on the wrong side, but even I said if it was a full camp, I fully acknowledge that this stylistically edges Turner. So I get the favorite from that standpoint. I fully acknowledge that. Um, but this one, I don't know if we can say that. Like, again, it's classic. You know, I've been wrong fading Bryce Mitchell, and he had he he a not only overachieves, and which is good on him. I'm not trying to take away from that. That I love overachieving. It's a beautiful thing. Not hating on it. Uh, it's more that kind of that salty justification for when you lose a bet and you're like, well, this guy came out and fought his best fight. Who would have expected that? So part of it's that, I'll admit that, right? But yeah, you get you get a guy wrong back to that classic dynamic. You want to overcorrect the steering wheel, you're like, oh, now I gotta respect Bryce Mitchell, right? Whereas Josh Emmett even though um, I'm not a big Josh Emmett fan and I, it was a really reluctant play, it was more for the value and I did show my work. There were certain things to worry about with Taporia and again, of course, that was a classic like Sarukian, even though I've been on these guys since the beginning, even prior to them coming into the USC telling you how good these guys were, never picking against them. Of course, the one time I take a flyer when there's actually like reasons to show of like, oh, there could be uh, some worrisome notes here. You know, are they due for that first prospect loss? No one is beyond that. Maybe that's it. Nothing more, nothing less. Not commenting on their ceiling. Again, I've been pumping these guys up since before uh, the Gen Pop was in these cases. And of course, classic Dan Tom style, I eat shit on their coming out party when they look great. Right? So it's a little bit of that, right? On the negative side where I backed Emmett on that spot. Now it's like, you know. Whether you backed him and got burned, or again, you're just somebody who does like a sure dog breakdown. You don't watch the tape, and you're like, "Oh, this guy losing. He old, right?" Or you know, back again, the he old thing. You're doing the classic MMA better thing. Where you go, "Oh, but, oh, guy, he just soggy penis. No bet, young bet. I, he just said controversial, marketable bet." Um, so you know, if you're that, you're going like the typical process like that. 
then maybe it makes sense that Bryce Mitchell's a minus 225, but I don't get it. Even the odds makers don't agree because they only opened him a minus 138, but people went again, back to what I said, not just opening him as the favorite. They went and doubled down on the, the guy who, you know, who, who drills off his scrotum sack. And, uh, you know, <laughs> like, he, the flat earth guy, you know, like, I know he's got like, good fighting skills, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and then stylistically, like we saw him lost to Taporia. I felt justified from that. And again, I try to keep the same energy, so I will say it, even if it is applying to a fighter themselves who has actually stepped in there. But I hate, it, you know, you can mention these things, but you can't do it disrespectfully to take away from someone's performance. Because that's what he was doing, saying, oh, I'm sick. It wasn't that Taporia wasn't good. Well, no, Taporia was clearly good. You're spilling your food all over the place, Brownie. You already threw up. What are you doing? Your dog. Okay, come over here while I'm talking about the dog. It's a good omen. Come on. Come here, you Emmett supporter. Come here, you Emmett supporter. Um, but yeah, you, 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 it was clearly a matchup, and I felt really good, right? Like, I took the minus 155. That was one of the few MMA betting Twitter ones where everybody's on one side or the other, and I felt good being on the right side because I don't really like to take part in those. Actually, I don't like to take part in those, but if I am, it's nice to finally actually be on the right side, right? And then Bryce Mitchell comes out and goes, no, I was sick, and that's why. But then he goes and shows the same gassing propensities in his very next fight against a similar, and I love Dan Ige, but again, on paper, and the odds reflect this, to be fair, not as challenging, right? Not as dangerous, potent, or athletic, even though, Ige is plenty dangerous. He's plenty athletic, folks. I'm not saying he's not. That's my guy there. I'm just saying, right? It was like a, uh, it was an arguable. If there's, a, if if, if Tapori is the A plus version of that archetype, you know, he's he was fighting like the A version, right, or the A minus version, or however you want to put it. Of course, I'm gonna speak very highly about my guy, but I do believe that's kind of fair to to, to categorize him as a far of a similar archetype, if not the, even though not the same level. And in that fight, that was another classic fight where, like, again, like, and of course, I'm on the wrong side of it, of course, right? Where it's like, dude, there's a solid argument that Ige won that, even though it was, and again, I love Ige, but this is by his own admission, it was a really bad Ige performance. Ige's made questionable, you know, uh, moves in, in victory or defeat, as do most fighters, granted. Uh, but no, it was even beyond that. Like, it was a, it was a legit bad performance from him, and he still almost won it. It was a legit bad performance out of him that was fought at a much lesser pace than the Taporia Mitchell fight was, even though it went longer, obviously. The pace wasn't as torrid, and even though there was some key scrambles, right? Still wasn't as torrid as a pacer, I'd argue. Mitchell wasn't sick. Said he even said before, no excuses, I feel great, right? Because he sold out so hard on it that even he knew he's like, Oh, I can't use that going in here. Especially if people are gonna ask me, so I gotta go full throttle. And he still gassed. And now he's going to take this fight on not even two weeks' notice. Like, it got announced just over a week, and you imagine what the fighter hears about it average three to four days before we hear about it, right? That's kind of the general average. So you go the generous, uh, the we go the generous math on that, and that's still not even two weeks. Now, now he's going to come in against a top-shelf athlete, not just like, does he have guys to train who are like Emmett, which maybe not the hardest. Again, Emmett's a wrestle boxer. So archetype-wise, not the hardest. But again, what Emmett does have is crazy athleticism, right? He's up there more with like Taporia as far as that athletic tier, even though he's an older dude. Uh, explosive power. Um, even though we haven't seen him in the style dynamic, which is tricky, we haven't seen him against a game-over grappler, much less a dedicated wrestler, right? Submission guy, wrestling guy, both. We haven't really seen that, right? 
but he's trained with those guys, the Darren Elkins, the Team Alpha Male guys of the world. Like, he trains with all those guys for years and years and years. Like, he's been there for a minute. Like, longer than the Elkins and the Rick Glenn transplants who have done well with Team Alpha Male, you know, to their own level, right? Um, this guy has seen that, so you got to imagine, you know, he knows his way in the scramble. And ironically, he doesn't have a great takedown defense rate, and it's actually worse than a guy like Ige's, which surprised me. But you have to look at the context of that. It's like Taporia went three for three, but that wasn't the crux of the matchup, those takedowns. In fact, those takedowns didn't happen until the fifth round after Josh Emmett was arguably 10-7. The fight arguably should have already been stopped because most of it, again, the context, the key of the fight, took place standing. Uh, something that Bryce Mitchell can't replicate, right? Even with improvements, which I don't know if a short notice camp is the time to show those improvements. Even if you're the younger guy like Mitchell is. It's not the smaller cage. And even if it was, it's just like I feel like he's going to waste a lot of his energy that unless he, again, unless he's game over mode and we have a total bad performance from Emmett and he gets washed in the first round, I feel like Emmett, I have to have a really bad performance. Like I feel like Emmett could have a bad performance and it would almost encourage him to win. That's why I'm saying he has to have a really bad performance to lose. Meaning is that I don't think that he's going to be able to get him down easily and he's going to deal with Emmett striking, which is why I think the value is on Emmett. He is the fighter training for this date. But also, let's just say he did. Let's say he gets him down. Let's just say his dominant position, he backpacks him, mounts him. Um, his ground and pound and his submissions still aren't as good as Taporia's, right? And we saw him survive that, right? Even with those three takedowns on there or whatever. Um, and even if it is a 10-8 round, a hard 10-9 or even a 10-8, let's just say it goes that bad for Emmett. I would love that as a better, especially the way I'm betting this fight. That's right, rounds two and three, Josh Emmett, baby. Um, round two plus 1100 quarter unit and a quarter unit uh, on round three plus 1600 that's 1.55 units total exposure because I got Emmett at plus 195 for 1.05 unit I wanted to make sure to get that two unit mark to cover the uh, loss in case Emmett wins in round one or by decision because uh, I'm accounting for the um... again I never expect to win all my bets and I'm always accounting and doing the uh low-end math. I'm not trying to pump up. I'm trying to be more realistic. Round down because I'm secure with my number. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, uh, I, I think that would be good for Emmett because then Bryce Mitchell is going to be gassed, right? If he gets gassed on a full camp, um, how's he going to be on a short camp? You know what I'm saying? So I feel like this rounds two and three are huge value. Um, that's going to be my prop squad plays actually this week as well. Um, my best bet's going to be Edwards since I already did a uh, since that's one of my biggest bets, and my biggest bet's already covered in my co-main, so I can't really write about that twice. So those are what what's coming down the pike for action, or some of that's already out, actually, I should say, including the Ferguson breakdown and the co-main event. But yeah, Emmett round two and round three is probably what you're going to see on Prop Squad for fight day. Um, I'll probably put like Emmett and Pantoja KO in a round robin, um, unless I need unless they're limiting me where I need like a money line. They're not going to let me put anything sexy. And in that case, I'll be using Ferguson first and foremost because his number is nicer than Emmett's. But if I have to go money line in that round robin, I'll probably have to have at least one money line person. It's probably going to be Ferguson. So if they don't make me do it twice, I'll probably do Emmett by KO just to add a little more value. Um, and we'll talk about what could be down further on the prelims. But yeah, I just said it makes no sense to me. And again, it's just one of those things where it's like natural human nature is like, oh, I got burned by the stove. I don't want to do that again. It's like, no. No, the stove can't be on forever, and it shouldn't have been on in the fucking first place. 
Let's go. Well, that was a really bad analogy. Irresponsible the way I put that. You know what I'm saying? Um, all right, we're gonna. The prelims are gonna be super fast, folks. And I'm gonna clean up the. Uh, well, it better be time I took. And I'm gonna clean up what you guys are saying. Uh, anyways, oh, we got some uh, some high level coaches uh, in the uh, chat. Sean Madden, what's up, Dan? Uh, what do you expect from clinch exchanges in the main event? Hoping to see uh, utilize uh, Leon utilize some of his inside weapons against Colby but not sure how many clinch exchanges we'll see. Yeah, I wonder if he'll go more toward uppercuts as well because uh, right hooks and uppercuts were shots he was more comfortable with. Leon is in the southpaw versus southpaw matchup. I know that's not the clinch coach. But um, uh, again, I think it's going to be more counter-clinch tactics, uh, hand fighting, and stuff like that. Um, I did put in my breakdown, which is not saying anything special. Again, uh, most of you guys know watching. I'm sure Sean Madden knows. Uh, Leon, one of his best weapons in the clinch is um, coming in, but mainly flowing out of the breaks is that left, and it's always the left elbow too. He's got that beautiful left elbow, and that's going to always be there. But again, uh, striking with a, with a sticky customer um, is a different dynamic, right, with the grappling there. So how much risk-reward does he want to play? So I actually wouldn't blame him for being more conservative. You demand it. You demand, Sean. I appreciate you. And, uh, yeah. Speaking of more people being curious in the space and like doing the due diligence, Sean was one of the uh, only coaches and trainers out there in this last ABC conference taking the courses and doing this stuff. And that's what you want to see, man. The people out there guiding these fighters through the fire, being trying to do their best at least. We, we, we obviously can't every time, but we're to do our best to be on the same page as these officials as best we can, right? So props to Sean there. Jin Karasu, as well as like guys like Dan Urban in the chat, obviously. Couchside Judges Podcast. Go listen to them. Uh, Jin Karasu, Royville has cool knees, but do you think that uh, will go against him in this fight? It could. I mean, again, I feel like the knees are more scarier than anything. I feel like that's his best path to victory in general, especially this fight. Um, but yeah, like his kicks and knees and being on one leg could get him uh, tagged uh, as it has before. And we've seen Pantoja both tag him and others on one leg before. So to your point, Jen, absolutely could work against him as well. Dan Urban, can we bet the over-under on how long the first scramble lasts? Oh, my goodness. I wouldn't even... Uh, I, the first scrambles are going to be the shortest but the most fun because both guys, I imagine, are going to be very fresh. Um, and i got to imagine that Royville uh, is going to be trying to avoid the scrambles this time around. Um, Fanyol with the hot takes that Pantoja still beat Askarov. That's right. Uh, Guru, that's right. Askarov was at the top of the food chain at the time of that one. That's right. James Kendrick Dexlack also made an article on crab rides, cross controls. He mentioned in Pantoja article. Yeah, I'm really bummed because I love crab rides, and for whatever reason, I I found a tweet that I discovered that, and I I don't even use crab rides to discover it. And then like like I said, I already shot it. Um, Andrew, um, open note grapple does like a whole breakdown of the position. So I just felt silly sharing that tweet, but I shared it anyways. But yeah, absolutely, crab rise. Getting behind the knees, it's so important. You see that. And that's that was kind of frustrating about the uh, uh, loss of, uh, so much losses of positions. Even though it was an awesome fight, obviously I'm not complaining. Still catch my bet, I'm not complaining. Uh, the UFC 290 fight with Brandon Moreno, fight of the year, and Alessandro Pantoja. But that was the annoying part, because Pantoja, even though he's a wild man, he, he does know how to stay behind the knees and elbows. I mean, he's one of the best back takers. Of course he knows how to stay behind knees and elbows. And that's one of the keys to my game. I'm always trying to get behind someone's knees or their elbows. Even when I'm in negative position. If I'm in half guard trying to build up to a single, you know, I'm building up behind the knee up to below the ass, right? Below the ass is still behind the knee, right? Uh, and if I, you know, build up to the single, but sing, sig, sig, uh, 
single, but they Colby Covington, Damian Miami, where they, they, they free their legs out, right, smartly, and sprawl out to a front headlock, well, then I'm looking to get behind the elbow, right? Kind of like uh, the, that Muniz sweep to Iron Turtle Park that uh, my guy uh, Ryan Wagner, another analyst I love and respect, showed. The key was it was getting behind the elbow. You know, when, when somebody side rides me, uh, when I'm in turtle and they side ride and sit to the side and look to punch or choke while, they re- while they're resting their hand across my back, I'm hooking on this elbow and rolling them. When I'm shooting for the signal and they sprawl out and I'm leaving this hand purposely forward as bait, uh, out, so because I want them to not just front headlock me, I want them to head and arm me in some kind of Darce or Anaconda. I want them to go to that. I want them to commit their hands to a lock because now they don't have a post, and all I need to do is get behind their elbow, which I should be doing anyways because that is the same motion to clear the space for the carotid artery between the shoulder and the neck. So you're killing two birds with one stone, turning defense into offense, hooking behind the elbow, which allows you to sit through into a double. So d- even if you're in negative positions like a turtle, or on bottom, always get behind the knees and elbows. Obviously, Pantoja does it from very positive positions. Uh, it's question is, is he going to be better about maintaining those than he was in the Moreno fight? Um, being too nice to this rascal. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about there, Vigno. Um Let's say, uh, Guru, anytime you're feeling lonely on the live show, you know who to call. Oh, Guru, you're the man. Dan Urban, we even glossed over it on Monday's CSJ. It's crazy how we fucked that up. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Dan, are you talking about the Muniz fight in Park that I keep referencing? Are you talking about the uh, round three of Diaz and um, Ferguson uh, in relation to my Juma Gulov and uh, Charles Johnson, where it's just one of those rounds where there's clear leg damage and somehow the majority went the other way. And I'm not trying to shit on the majority. They're smart people in the majority, and they're in the majority. I am in the minority here, but... Still, I feel like it's it's kind of clear, albeit in hindsight. Live reads, you got to go easy on people, folks. Um, I have not the best reads in general. I will cop to that. My reads are much worse live, too. So we have to realize that, whether it's judges or people posting their scores. Rios and Truesdale, isn't Thompson slowing down? His ability to stay off the fence and circle out is gone. I don't know if it's completely gone, but yeah, it's not great. Like, uh, he, you know, like, I was kind of worried because, you know, Neil was able to do some counter clench stuff. But Neil was doing better than I thought and gave credit for. Whereas Thompson, I don't know if he's ever had that Machida where like Machida, it almost was like a, like, I don't want to speak out of school. Shout out to my guy, Miguel Class, who actually covers sumo. But Machida actually had a sumo background for those who remember. And it was kind of like a joke point. But the word, it actually showed up in his game where I would cite Machida, my Machida analysis was his counter clenching. Um, because he would just do these, like, these almost like these, like, these more flamboyant, like, it's not even like a, like a wrestling limp arm, <laughs> but, like, I almost feel like I see it more in sumo. Um, but as far as, like, the clench separations or reset kind of deals, uh, where they're really, like, swinging, and Machida would kind of do the similar move, and then he would, like, kind of karate flow out of it afterwards, like, if he got out successfully. And Thompson used to have a, not the same style, but he used to have a little more urgency on his separations. So maybe there's something to that, Rios is in Truesdale. But yeah, it doesn't. It definitely adds to my Shavkat pick. Ghost, something I didn't mention in any of my threads. Shavkat was jabbing well against Neil, who was a southpaw. Absolutely. Great pick up there. I, I, I agreed on that note. Jin Karasu, who does sprinkle... Who does sprinkle mean in betting? Who does sprinkle mean in betting? Oh, what does sprinkle mean in betting? Uh, sprinkle, that means like something small. like So like... Um, 
you know, something's got like a, like a round props or something like that, when you're picking these methods, you usually get much higher numbers, right? Like the plus 2000s, right? Um, and stuff like that, right? So uh, plus 2000, what was it off the top of Like $10 gets you 200 or something, right? You only have to spring, I say it to say that I'm betting it, but I'm not betting it big. To let you both know where I'm at, but also in an attempt to be responsible to say, ooh, I like this, I'm gonna bet this. But someone may take that literally and have no sense of bankroll management. They'd be like, Dan's gonna bet it, I'm gonna bet it too, $100. And that's not my fault, that's not my responsibility, but I'm, I'm trying to mitigate that in case somebody is interpreting that literally, interpreting me that literal. I'm not trying to make fun of anybody, by the way. In fact, I say that because I am somebody, ask any of my editors, any of my bosses, I am somebody who will take things almost comically literal. Like, uh, you know, almost to the point where like I would I would be one of those Japanese World War II people, like still at the post. Like, no one told me to, to come home, so I just figured I'd stay here for the rest of my life. Like, I am literally, no joke, not too many steps shy from that. It's pretty sad. So that's not a that's not a that's not a, a shot on anybody. James Kendrick, can we get your Scouser accent? Fuchen Scouser, Patty, Patty the Roy Fuchen Natty, your Fuchen Net. I'm not going to say the word mongrel anymore because that, that, that's uh, Tony. I'm surprised Tony didn't say Dana White privilege. I'm not going into Scottish now. Ugh, that's terrible. Sorry. Yeah, not a good Scouser accent. I tried. I tried for you. Uh, Fenyo's crying. <laughs> I don't know what it's about. What did I say? <laughs> James Kendrick, uh, it's too bad we won't hear you say, we aren't here to be Irish. We're here to be Brazilian. I'm not here to be Irish. I'm here to be Brazilian. Well, now he really is because he's training with, uh, he got kicked out of England, and now he's training, like he's at least trying to train with Maya and do Bronx in Brazil. He's got like residents in Brazil. So yeah, it's it, Ian Machado Gary, baby. Um, Jimmy Kudo, I love that analogy about the uncle at the barbecue doing knife tricks analogy. I keep wanting to use that other places, but keep forgetting. Thanks, I appreciate that you guys appreciate that one. It's uh, that is that is uh, kind of funny. Um, Synchro Wing, do we hope that Emmett loses because he only throws overhands? Question mark. But Mitchell is just an annoying person, so I guess the fans lose in an Emmett versus Mitchell. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying, uh, synchroing there, but uh, yeah, you know. We'll see. Hopefully, I'm wins for my bets, I guess, right? Uh, Real Susan Truesdale, the sure dog method. Uh, I'm going to use that against people I don't respect in MMA space, like most WMA YouTubers. Yeah, you can usually tell by their analysis and reasoning how much analysis they've done. Ghost, uh, open note grapple. Love William. His articles are always great. I love, yeah, it's, it's, it's fantastic stuff. And, the man knows what he's talking about, and it's from experience. Okay, I'm going to speed through the rest of these. Arin Aldana. He has no man Aldana fan. Easy, Dan. Minus 192. Kyro Hosa, plus 160. Going to go with Aldana by decision. She should win this one, but as much as I love Aldana, I would not be surprised if she makes it harder than expected or if Rosa starts kind of showing up. Uh, I don't want to say again because I feel like it's very matchup dependent with her, but yeah. Uh, I will take Aldana by decision, and the money I already checked, it's not great for those. Uh, Cody Garbrandt, minus 192. Brian Keller, plus 160. I feel like Kelleher could be a live dog, but I didn't look into this, and I'm uh, very uh, exposed, even though I want to go big. So I don't know if I'm going to have enough time to get through that. I still have, like, four more articles to write and uh, edit this podcast, and I want to try to get Karate Combat bigs, and I want to go work out and do a hot yoga and pick up dog poop in the limited daytime that we have in Las Vegas, Alaska. Um... I know. Nobody cares. But uh, yeah, well, check me out on Fight uh, Day uh, at Dan Tom MMA. 
uh, on the artist formerly known as Twitter, where I end up on this one. On that one, on this one, I'll probably be picking Casey O'Neill, who's minus one ninety-two, plus one sixty. Ariana Lipsky, but Lipsky feels like a live dog here too. Um, I'm a big O'Neill fan as well, and she does fight out of my backyard. So not that I know her, but for whatever bias you want to accuse me of, sure. Dustin Jacoby minus two seventy. Alonzo Metafield, Metafield plus two twenty. Um, this one could be interesting. I don't think Metafield has the uh, consistent counters like a Mirzakhanov or a Roundtree. Uh, as far as like the few guys I picked Jacoby again uh, and also the Metafield is not a southpaw and again what I always say whether it's that Dustin Poirier moments of success in a losing fight to Dubronx or again the Jacobis to Mirzakhanov and Khalil Roundtree that lifting fainting style where you lift the knee and kind of march in like potent southpaw explosive counterpunchers seem to be a real kryptonite stylistically for that style um, so again, it doesn't match up completely, but Metafield, obviously an explosive puncher, getting better with his counter punching, dangerous puncher, and apparently a fan of wrestling and has some has had some really funny but also underrated looks in that department. Um, and even though Jacoby is underrated himself, um, you know maybe Menafield could surprise him there. I don't know if enough to you know consistently find a consistent path to victory or winning condition. But in a close round, you know, Jacoby has definitely, you know, been subject to close rounds, even if they're not close to an educated eye. It's close enough to where you don't want to give up uh, an explosive athletic dude doing explosive athletic shit. You know how much, you know how much I love and warn about those always ruining the ruining shit in your shit, shit in your cereal, so to speak. Um, I'm gonna pick Jacoby, uh, even though it sounds like I might have done some analysis on this fight. I actually didn't do any tape on it. This is just knowing these fighters pretty well. Full disclosure, this one I am looking to play. Um, I haven't done a, a deep analysis on this one, just a little bit on Durden for the Southpaw report against Hadley, rewatching that fight. Of course, I lost out on that one. I wasn't super exposed because even though I didn't pick Dur Durden and I haven't picked him a lot, it's not because of a bias of like, his, you know, post fight speeches or anything like that. Like, the dude has been putting in work and really deserves credit. Um, I've taught, I believe I've given him that before and been fair about that. Uh, and even when I pick against them it's like respectfully where it was just like I only picked Adley by submission and had it in the round robin and that would have really came in handy that night and you know you could have even argued that there was a verbal tap there so that was very frustrating you're not just close but like arguably like you know in the rules that when somebody screams out like that you're supposed to stop it and I'm just saying that because I bet it but that's literally what I knew before taking the ref course and was sure enough confirmed after taking and passing the ref course but yeah, um, still got to give credit where credit's due. Uh, Durden looked good in that. Obviously, the main thing here, Will and Beckoff, both with his path methods of victory to just look at the way he's built. Obviously, the French choke threats are live for his pathway to victory. Um, but as far as striking goes, uh, and then even holding up in the wrestling, you know, it, it feels kind of nip and tuck as it can be with Cody Durden, Cody Durden, but his confidence and ability to fight hard for three rounds, which he does do. Um, regardless of how you score some of his fights, he does do that. He's also just getting better. So I actually like Cody Durden by decision. At anything two to one or north of two to one, I'm probably gonna look to put that in a round robin, and uh, also probably like just probably put a unit on it straight up. Um, and if anything, it'll just get get out of the way of uh, it's not be me being negative, folks. Seriously, this dates back to like a half decade, even on my good years, which of course. You know, nobody bothers you know to give me credit on those, even though I recap those on multiple ways through Junkie in smaller ways with the main card picks or staff picks. 
to just recapping it through all my work at Mixed Martial Analyst through those years to recapping it through all the years in the podcast. People are too lazy to do that. People are too negative to do that. Instead, they want like some bet MMA tip shit. Uh, even though, uh, oddly enough, if you actually track the people, like the percentage of people who uh, cheat and fudge records, it's most people, uh, it, the, the primary of it is on people on the record sites, which is odd enough. But that's what they want you to go to to be legit. And of course, my first year, I do it and I eat my ass in front of everybody pretty much. Just, you know. So, yeah. So forgive me again for being emotional and upset and negative, but you got to understand, it's just, it's been a... I'm very grateful for my job, my health. I'm not ungrateful for these things. Like I, I, I hope I don't come off as some ungrateful prick. I'm very, I'm not only am I grateful. It's annoying because I'm more grateful than most. Um, I, I just talk about circumstantial luck. You know, Chris Gutierrez was talking about something that I could really relate with in the pre-fight preview with the songs fight, where he was talking about like generational luck and trying to change that. And yeah, like when it comes to circumstantial luck, again, like I just. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Let's at least hopefully have some Christmas money so I can uh, maybe get some uh, suits, some real suits, and uh, get some real work and knock stuff off my list that I still want to do before my time is done here, which is call fights finally. So we'll see. What fight am I on here? It's Cody Durden. Okay, yeah. Um, and I think that's no, no. We got to scroll the fuck up now for the uh, other fights at UFC. Bullshit. Um,. Let's go Andre Feely, minus 175, Lucas Almeida, plus 145. This one should be a fun fight. I didn't get to look into it, though. And the odds aren't too attractive because I feel like they're kind of exactly right. I don't know what they opened at. They opened pretty much the same. There hasn't been too much movement, which says that I'm not alone in feeling that must be right. So I don't have too much to say on this one. I am going to be picking Feely. Uh, Martin Budzai, minus 135. Uh, Shamil Gassiev. Um... Um, but yeah, the heavies. The, you know what? At least they didn't put this on the main card, right? God forbid. Um, I'll probably pick Bidet, but I don't want no part of this fight. Salikov versus Brown got canceled, so did Ige versus Luke. So uh, I think that completes it. How did we do on time? 156. All right, another two hour show. And so hopefully people were able to get past my shitty start of the podcast. I apologize for that, guys. And uh, yeah, because I feel like I, this was loaded with a lot of analysis otherwise all right i'm gonna clean up the chat recap and get the fuck out of here um rain lamina i say this every time aldana fights remember when she followed home around the cage didn't cut the cage against her that was the worst southpaw performance ever that was so painful i actually picked aldana boy did i look stupid there jimmy kudo we lost a pyn favorite in muslim uh salikov i remember you said that you like him uh, but are annoyed that he never leads yeah, yeah, and, uh, you know, he's definitely kind of the passive portion and, you know, might have been a tough matchup where he was doing well until he got brutally finished kind of a deal, but we'll see. Uh, hopefully he goes against somebody who doesn't like body work because that guy always has good body kicks. Um, Ghost, uh, Neki Award idea, Southpaw Technique of the Year. Ooh, really good one. Really good one, Ghost. You guys are making me want to do an award show now. Damn you guys. I love you guys. What am I saying? I love you guys. I get mad. You know I'm just a curmudgeon. You know I'm just an old bastard. Don't take me seriously. I'm harmless. Jim Karasu, Necker Award. Necker. <laughs> that sounds funny. You kids necking off in there? Wasn't that an old term? Anyways. Necker Award. Uh, to add to Ghost. But Why? For piss four fight IQ, sorry, stole from Jack Slack. That's a, no, that's a solid one. That is a solid one, right? 
Makato K. Goku, my award idea, best Chinese fighter of the year or Chinese. Jungwo D E. Uh yeah, so who's the number number one Chinese of the year? Let's let's do the Chinese. Mega Chinese. Myself a proper Chinese. Right. Big John. Big John. Big big John Chinese today. Uh, Rio says in Truesdale, maybe it's because I am not familiar with betting, but how does odds affect fights? It doesn't affect the fight. It just, um, odds are just, uh, numbers they put to make value. Like, I can't explain how England does it, where they, they have the 5 to 1, this fighter's 8 to 1. But in standard, uh, like North American houses, standard odds you see on broadcasts that aren't English broadcasts, um, my, basically minus is, means they're the favorite to win. Plus means they're an underdog, okay? Basic. And if you want to look at it any further, um, like, okay, what does minus 225 mean? Uh, obviously, minus if they're minus 525, that's a greater number than 225. So that means they're a greater favorite. So they are more favored, right? That's kind of self-explanatory. The higher the number, right? The more they're favored. The higher the plus number, the more they're an underdog, right? And last but not leastly, more specifically, if it's like minus 225, that not only are they favored minus 225 that means to get a hundred dollars back at the betting window you have to lay 225 dollars that's what that means right that's why you don't get that's why favorites aren't as attractive because you have to lay a lot of money to not get as much back and in a volatile sport like mma it could be a fast way to lose money whereas live underdogs who pay more than what you're putting in get more bang for your buck so to speak right so a plus so how the $100 works the opposite way is if it's plus 225, well, that means if you lay $100, you get $225 back, right? As opposed to laying $225 to get 100 back. That's about as basic as I can explain it, and uh, that's all you need to know to uh, really understand it. Because anymore, you're going to be a degenerate like me. Uh, maybe it's because I'm not from... Oh, no, sorry. James Kendrick, awesome show, Dan. Let's finish the year strong. Enjoyed every show, win or lose. I appreciate you guys. I really have not been giving you guys my best and again you know i've alluded to a lot of things but it, it's been you know a really rough year and i got to imagine you know uh, to, to give the bad luck stuff that i keep half-heartedly half-jokingly talking about a break you know it's not even there's bad there's not even bad lucks and bad beats there's bad bets in there it's not even bad lucks bad beats or bad bets how much of it is i'm just being pulled in a billion different directions with a lot of real life stuff going on that it would be hard for anybody to deal with uh, much less deal with alone, much less deal with uh, in unison for about a year straight. Much less even if they're having a perfect life doing the job they love. Again, pizza's awesome, but if you have it every day, you don't take any time off. I think I've only taken two weeks off this week, this year, and they were like both because I was overloaded, had to help my mom move, or recently to help have a dog surgery. Like Those were the only weeks I use. I only get two paid weeks off a year as an independent contractor. That's it. I don't have Sundays off. I don't, I'm not watching football. I'm having to clean, run errands prep um work out like all these things like it's just there's no there's no breaks so forgive me i apologize we're gonna do better this next year i know i feel like jumping off a cliff and not doing this shit anymore and that is real and i really do only you know if things don't improve i i, I don't think i'll be covering into 2025 maybe 2024 might that is not a joke it might be my last year if things don't improve but i'm gonna go out blazing man i'm gonna give this i don't I know things have been tough. I know I've been a complaining little biatch, but uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm. What the fuck else am I gonna do? You know. So for now, I will say, fuck the morning. For now, I'll stay up late. Put my heart into something real. 
to quote lifelong tragedy. Because the most profound things that I ever heard came from half-awake kids who never had their turn. So, on that note, let's recap the show. Dan, we are PYN family. We stay together. I appreciate you, Jimmy. All right. Recapping. All right. Taking Edwards over Covington. Taking Pantoja season over Royville. Taking Rockmanoff. Cockmanoff, baby, over Thompson. Taking... Jesus, Dan. Taking Ferguson over Patti the White Fulchanati. Taking the Voldemort, uh, Josh Emmett over uh, Thug Nasty, Bryce Mitchell. I got shorts every fucking color. Um, designer t-shirts. Taking Aldana. Aldana over Hosa. Taking, probably going to take Garbrandt over Kelleher. We'll see. Check me on fight day. Probably taking O'Neal over Lipsky. Check me on fight day. Probably taking Jacoby over Menafield. Check me on fight day. Probably taking Durden over Ulenbekoff. Probably playing by decision as well. Probably taking uh, uh, Feely over Almeida. Uh, probably taking Butai. Hey, Butai. Petra Munoz. Uh, over Gaziev. Um, Would have taken Brown over Salikov probably, but I'm glad that fight's not happening because I didn't want to see Salikov get beat, and I probably would have taken Hi, Gary, over um, Luke, although I probably would have switched to Luke with hearing Gary was sick, but that fight didn't happen. Either way, it's good because I don't have to, like, see... Luke get beat. Um, I've seen enough of my favorite fighters get beat. I've seen enough of Tony Ferguson get beat. Hopefully he can turn it around because we are playing two dogs and two favorites. Ferguson, one dog, 1.5 units, uh, plus 270. Emmett, plus 195, 1.05 units. Favorites, Pantoja season, biggest track bet of the year, minus 175, 3.5 units. Edwards, minus 155, 2.5 units. Also played Edwards round three plus sixteen hundred, round four plus two thousand, round five plus twenty five hundred with some sprinkles. Point seventeen U each. Pantoja by KO plus five twenty five. It'll probably see itself in the round robin. Emmett round two plus eleven hundred quarter unit. Round three plus sixteen hundred quarter unit. We'll probably put Emmett by KO if I don't have to put his money line in a round robin. We'll see. Shavgat, just not so sexy, but, you know, shaving down the price with round two plus 380, half a unit. Round three plus 650, half a unit. Hot rounds. Get your hot rounds here. And I'm probably also going to go, don't be surprised to see on the round robin or straight up. Uh, Durden plus 200, probably for a unit as well. We'll see what else I get to. If anything, of course, I'll be tracking and accounting for it all here at the PYN Podcast, which you can follow on all social platforms. Action Network, you can follow my gambling analysis as well as my third-party track information. If you're lazy and you don't want the context and just want to see some really ugly numbers so you have information to make fun of me and make yourself feel better, you can join that train as well if you'd like. Um, positive ratings and reviews really do help. I don't feel like I deserve it. Uh, thank you guys for doing your click-throughs. I'm going to do the recap on the next show for all the Christmas and Thanksgiving and holiday shopping. MixedMarshallAnalyst.com to support this year's free program. Just go to MixedMarshallAnalyst.com, my site that supports this year's show. Scroll down, click on the Amazon or on it click-throughs for your Christmas shopping or holiday shopping, Chanukah, whatever you uh, celebrate, and uh, yeah, a small percentage of whatever you buy at no extra cost will get kicked back to this year's program, and it really helps. Also on MixedMarshallAnalyst.com and where you can find me at DanTomMMA on all social platforms, maybe those little cheeky underscores for Instagram, but you look at the link tree, no, no OnlyFans there, I'm sorry, but... Uh, there is a PayPal donation link if you want to be too kind to support this year free show. I don't deserve it. The results don't deserve it. But it's there, and it's also on the homepage of my website, 
MixedMarshallAnalyst.com. Follows, likes, subscribes. I will also do another catch-up on five-star ratings and reviews like this video. I don't deserve any of it, but it all fucking helps. I turned off monetizing to punish myself last week. I turned it back on this week, not that I deserve it. But that's there if you want to do a super like, a super thanks, super chat, even though the show is about to be over. Much love. Thank you, Jen Karasu. Do your well. All love your effort. Respect your opinion. Thank you guys so much for the love. I don't deserve it. I appreciate you guys. Good luck. Enjoy the last UFC show this weekend. And always protect your neck.